0: Oh god, when are they going to do Survivor Series 1997? It's right now! Enjoy this! Finally, Season 4 continues. The old gang's back together. Myself, Adam and Billy, we recently managed to finally convene out of this dreadful pandemic and sit down and talk about one of the most dark-sided, miserable pay-per-views in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. It's time for some Survivor Series 1997. A big shout-out to everyone who supported us over the last 16 or so months. Over at patreon.com forward slash Podcast we like this show being ad free and fan and listener supported and you can do so yourself by heading over to patreon.com slash apodcast signing up for as, little as five dollars a month you help get this show get made and you get access to a whole shed load of audio content smackdown crawl video episodes biblo tech comic reviews with adam and billy all this and much much more over at patreon.com forward slash apodcast but for now it's time to head back and spit in the face of Montreal, Bret Hart's ready to get screwed. It's Survivor Series 1997. podcast season 4 continues and we are as previously advertised prologuing the bejesus out of it hello once again finally again it's me your old pal cowboy kevin looking at one of the most infamous pay-per-views of all time with my cohorts comrades and colleagues first sitting opposite me he truly is the salmon of the adichiro podcast because he's only upstream.
1: It's Adam Bivolo. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. It feels strange. This is the first podcast of any nature we've done in like 14, 15 months. Yeah. We've just not done any in the whole time. Have can you joined you your
0: year off. Yeah, it <laughs> <grand.
1: laughs> It's just weird that we've not put out any content in that time. But what I can know you do? Absolutely nothing. like, Well, nothing happened, sure. Anyway, I forgot to ask you, Kevin. Are you planning on doing Survivor Series 97 anytime soon, actually? I'll, I'll
0: get a right i Have you thought about it? Have you thought about doing
1: this? Has anyone that,
0: it? What it was, it was a simple Pokemon the first movie scenario, mm-hmm. where enough people had to cry, and all yeah. the tears had to go off, because mm-hmm. I had been turned to stone, as much as was.
1: That's why we've not done anything. And like... sure, here we are now, alive and kicking. Well, real talk, welcome back, all the people. Yeah, <laughs> thanks guys! Th- thanks for all your lack of support this last year. I, I, <laughs> fucked off, and now you're back again.
0: I appreciate you know, any w- you know, way that you know a support takes place, even if that is a silent step to one side for over a year yeah. it's fine you welcome know? home what has changed for you what have you learned the last year pandemic pandemic plus i'm going to keep saying a year even though it's longer than that mm.
1: i'm a lot hairier now yeah. due to not being able to go to a barber's or anything like that a lot more anxiety i've learned how to like, let that spiral out of control so that's been good, good. yeah and just generally don't enjoy wrestling as much as I used to pre-pandemic. So oh, this will get you lot right. This will get you right
0: back into it then. Like, <laughs> nothing anxiety-inducing about this pay-per-view. And to my right, unquestionably the baddest man on the planet, the iconic Billy
2: Cable. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. It's been a long while, hasn't it's, it? It's been
0: a while now. You and I, of course, have been in the the muck and the mire of the them greasy. Hot and heavy oh four 4 days on Monday Ooh, Night Raw. baby baby. You, know, you and I, obviously, were, were, it's a little bit different for us. There's no Eugene here on the card tonight.
2: Yeah, it's, it just doesn't feel the same, does it?
0: Is this a pay-per-view that you... Like, even before we started doing the podcast, was this a pay-per-view that had much notoriety in, in your guys' heads?
2: No, not really. Oh, like, it was okay. only, I think, really once... We started, I think it was only really when we got to Deadly Games yeah. in season one that I actually found out what Mont- the Montreal screwdriver was. Mm. Oh, I see. Like, I it was see. really very much a non factor.
0: How about you Adam I know you kind of got into it a little bit later than I would have mm. so I'm not sure if the cloud of Montreal
1: was the one that was still hanging over wrestling in the, in the early knots. Not really when I was a kid watching the Attitude Era when I was a teenager and I knew other people that liked wrestling someone would like show me this is a Wikipedia article for this thing called the Montreal Screwjob and I was like wow it must be important if it got its own Wikipedia page <laughs> and then read about it and was like oh but that's just they do that all the time in wrestling they're always screwing people over it took a long time for me to realise the significance of like, no, this one's a real screw job, though. Yeah. Like, this yeah. actually happened. Like. It's hard,
0: obviously, in twenty twenty one, where you've, you know, got the annual Montreal screw job in the bank. You exactly. Know, it happens so regularly. They're and a dime all a dozen
1: these days. Like,
0: so was this the first viewing that you guys ever had of this pay per view? Yes,
2: yes, yeah. First time seeing any of these matches on tonight. Mm-hmm.
0: I did the fir- I had seen this on VHS, not the whole thing though, because. Way back right at the start of my early wrestling watching fandom in like 98 or whatever. My brother's friend brought over a couple of wrestling videos one weekend. And there was like Wrestlemania 3. He had like Wrestlemania 10. And also he had Survivor Series 97. Which on the front had a big like splash. Like you will
3: believe
0: the 10 minutes of fucked up shit we've included at the end of this. And I was like, wow, sign me up. So I just fast forwarded right to the end. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what's this? Why well, is don't... he having a tantrum? Ah, all right. And that's kind of one of the things that probably worked against the Bret Hart fandom for me for many years. Aww. That was one of the only things I really knew about, yeah, Bret, was just that... Just
2: throwing from, from an out of context tantrum. This yeah. man
0: hates monitors. That's all yeah, I really yeah. knew about him. It's probably worth stating, or should I say... Restating our ultimate goal With this season Season 4 mm. With a bit of a break in the middle As we've had But I don't want anyone To be under the impression That this is going to be like The definitive What happened In Montreal podcast nope. But I feel like Obviously Montreal And The
1: screw job. Has been went over in sufficiently in massive detail before. Yeah, that's it. Like not to not to sort of make light of it so much, but who gives a fuck <laughs> what we think about Montreal? Please you, keep listening. You've heard uh, every opinion <laughs> possible
2: on Montreal, right? By now, yeah. Like, mm.
1: What's left to be said about it at this point? It, it
2: wasn't. It wasn't really a factor in why we decided to to do this season. <laughs> to find out no. What happened? Just, like. just, but just to like. But it's been interesting as we've watched previous episodes and heard like dirt sheet rumours and we've seen the tension bubbling yeah. under the surface. So it's been interesting from that perspective. But this, this season has not been about Brett. That's kind all. of somewhat become about that story yeah. just as we've heard things.
0: Yeah, and I think like in twenty twenty one I feel like intrigue into what really happened, brother, has never been lower. And it's not just because like I feel a lot of really, really good, you know, podcasts and documentaries and like things have been made about the Montreal screw job, but it just feels like the vast majority of people have also kind of found peace with it mm-hmm. for I mean, or is close to what you're gonna get with it. But our you know, original goal we stated is that we wanted to look at how this year beforehand shaped the wrestling that we would watch in, in season one and onwards. And I definitely think, you know, it is something that is so impactful because this entire season so far, it's been so centred around Brett and Sean. Mm-hmm. And this is the beginning of the end of not just... I mean, obviously, Brett's gone after this, but this is the beginning of the end of Sean Michaels being on our screens you know, well, very yeah. frequently. It's, a, it's crazy to think when we're watching these shows that these guys are going to be gone for yeah. a, you know, in a few months.
1: Yeah. You know, I'd not even considered that until you have just mentioned it there. This is our last Brett pay-per-view. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, that part hadn't actually, you know, landed home for me that this is the last time we're going to see Brett. And he's been, for me, one of my favourite parts of this season so far. Yeah, right? I mean, I
0: re-listened to all of our, you know, previous season four offerings before mm-hmm. we got to here just to kind of, you know, see what our opinions were and... Yeah, Brett was pretty much the golden boy for the three of us. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was a uh, you know just worth mentioning, just in yeah. case you think this is going to be a Robert Stack unsolved mysteries type of an affair. Yeah. Uh, we will of course you know point you towards the likes of the New Generation Project, which mm-hmm. did a very very lengthy you know in depth analysis of who said what when what went down. Mm. But there is still a pay per view to get through. There's a championship match that's been deferred for around eighteen months. And there's only a blooming gang war happening in the epicenter of gang violence from Montreal, Canada. <laughs> it's Survivor Series,
4: 1997. We're down to one minute and change. Shoot, shoot it.
3: I think the wrong guy won. This is bullshit. Everybody screwed me. I don't like him. I don't trust him, and I don't believe him. You know, a lot of people don't agree with my lifestyle, but it is mine. It's a phony little sh-t. Just because I come out here and choose to live my life openly and freely does not make you a better man. I don't respect you. understand what it means to have dignity, to have poise, to bring prestige to the World Wrestling Federation. I do this because I like it. You do it because in your mind, Mark Man, you really think all of this is yours. here is what it's all about. You are a zero, my hero. You're a disgrace to professional wrestling. The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, is the icon that can still go. You're nothing but a degenerate. Who is the show stopper? Me. The lowest form of skull. Who is the man Let's settle the score right here, right now. My super kick is going to be one foot down your throat. I'm going to kick your little scrawny ass. Now,
0: before we get into the... Don't give me that look. Look (laughs) It's been years in the making. You're not the only one. What's about to
1: happen now has been years in the making. Literally years in the making. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, obviously, it's been a long time since we've we've potted together. You know, We're here together now. It's a special occasion. And I thought, no better way to mark this occasion, because this is a secular podcast, Mm -hmm. okay? Don't be under any false impressions. But I thought instead of starting with a prayer, as how most podcasts would start, Mm -hmm. that I would start with a little reading from much of me in each of these by Booker T's mentor and Houston, Texas promoter, Paul Bosch. Took his hand up, and don't give me that sneering look.
1: You read your little poem. I'm not saying anything. Paul. I'm
2: just imagining like people have they've not re-listened to the start of season four. So this is just going to be completely eh? like, they've going to have forgotten all about <laughs> Look, this book. Look, I've,
0: I've hyped this up, right? Brian Zane, my main man, he helped me out. The Z-Man hooked me up with this. Mm-hmm. I've got a signed copy from Paul Bosch. It yep. says here, to Robert Schneer with special thanks, sincerely, Paul Bosch. Now, I was going to scratch out his name and put mine in as well. And it's also, I just realised now, from a United States Military Academy library. And it was a gift to the library from Mr. Paul Bosch. Good look at this. Who I imagine had a big garage full of these at some point in his life. Oh, Before they
2: got pulped.
0: Now, I decided I wasn't going to go for the World War ones, I was going to go for the post-war ones. Oh, there okay? are
1: some non-war poems in here, though.
0: Adam, there's much of he in each of these. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And just to start us off here with, you know, obviously the the storm cloud of Montreal hanging over us. Mm. This one is called Clouds. Take it seriously. All right, all right. Like giant cathedrals of worship they rise, spreading majestically across the skies, or cling like a blankish to global sod, fluffy formations that lovers prize. Colorful layers that vary in size, each distinctively beautiful or odd. Some say they're made of each soul that dies, but this fact is known by men who are wise. It's the visible breath of the living God. So that is uh, clouds.
1: That's <laughs> Anti-cloud from the cloud fans,
2: snap out of your. <laughs> the, the 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 like the 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 way the, the 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 poem moves along really sounds like you could put it to vincent price's rapping thriller <laughs> like th- that you could slip that on in there i will
0: say right that is literally that is one of the happier poems in there
2: seriously yeah like,
0: there's literally one where it's like air the god of war Ares is grinding them in a pestle and mortar all these like Jesus. souls together like so uh, there, there's another one as well where it's like how many years will it take for me to get over the horrors of world war ii 20 Maybe 30. Oh, God. Or perhaps 40. And that's the poem. It's it. <laughs> on, I'll he, let you
1: know when I get over it, folks.
0: And uh, there'll be one of those in every episode. Uh, oh, great. Until I run out of poems.
1: Thank you, Brian Zane.
0: Thanks, Brian. Friend of the podcast. Yep. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> now, Adam, as is tradition, and even more tradition for us to forget, but as is actual tradition magazines oi newsy
1: what's it like let's get this done with we've had so many issues in the past of like which month actually lines up with which correct date oh you mean issues as in problems not like um, yeah issues with the issues issues with the issues WWF magazine and Raw magazine but Raw's only every two months WWF's every month there's been all these different things you have to try and keep a hold of this month there's no Raw magazine it's just WWF magazine but we've got two different versions of it, and I don't know why. Oh, is there but, one for
0: the for the Canadian crowd? Maybe one for-
1: <laughs> there's one. They're both from December nineteen ninety seven. There's one here. The hearts declare war on Michael's, and there's okay. the hearts looking absolutely fucking rubbish. Oh, yeah. that's that's
3: from one night only. Yeah. Scream for your country,
1: bulldog! Like <laughs> super dark sided. <laughs> And then, as a nice little antidote to that misery, literally one of the greatest magazine covers of all time, it's Owen Sears! Oh, that's amazing. Owen Hart's head mounted on the wall (laughs) doing his little
4: uh face.
0: Now, I've always wondered how they got that picture of Owen. Like, if that was, like, they, they posed
1: him for that, or they took an out of context own heart picture and f- shopped it in, you know? You mean like this is Owen just finding out that he didn't actually win those slammies? Like someone finally <laughs> told him. I'm sorry,
0: huh? you own your bow tie was non regulation. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting that. So, obviously, in the world of the magazines, the, the Hart Foundation, the Hart family, still riding high in the estimation of the, the writers. Yeah, I
1: guess. And also, if there's two separate versions of this magazine out in December, that means that Vince Russo is getting fucking every drop squeezed out of him. Like, you've got to write three magazines this month, big man. So,
0: we open up our pay-per-view with the ticking clock. And as my regret to inform me, 1987... That Dave Meltzer and the wrestling scientists have moved the wrestling apocalypse clock 10 seconds to midnight. (laughs) It is a very odd package, this one. Uh, Because I've been watching the Raws and it feels like this was one of these promo packages they had sitting in the back pocket
1: for like a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very low rent. Mm. It's not like a big four pay-per-view. One of the biggest rivalries of all time is coming to a climax tonight. Like, Imagine if Rock and Austin had this at WrestleMania. Like, so low energy. Well, what it would be is, like
0: if it was WrestleMania 17, the equivalent would be like, here, remember their encounters in 1997 and yeah. early 1998. Let's go all the way back. We've been... Dealing with Heart Foundation, DX, Shawn Michaels being a completely different character now, Brett being a completely different character. And this is set up like it's a month after WrestleMania 12, which
1: I'm paying to remind myself and others, was 18 months ago. I mean, I do like them referring to that and reminding you that these it two have hated each other for a long, long time. Showing the story
2: along the way. Yeah,
1: but, but that's I'm... all they focus on in this pack. Yeah, like... it just feels like neither man's journey
0: since we st- like since we started this pod, you know, this season of the pod. It feels like neither man's journey was actually kind of made much reference to, mm. even though like Sean's been, you know, he's been heel, he's been face, he's been facey heel and healy face and all that. And Brett, as the anti-American guy, wasn't really. I don't know, they didn't, they didn't explain themselves very well, not I guess. Not really.
1: And they took all the seriousness out of the Sweet Chin music because every time they does the Sweet Chin music in this package, they use, and I'm not exaggerating, literally the whip sound effect yeah. from Earthworm Jim. <laughs> <laughs> the exact one. At least it needs a slide
4: whistle. and
0: <laughs> <laughs> The main kind of basis of this feud at the moment, because they've not done a lot of in ring stuff in the last month, really. They've, mm. they've only been on screen. ...together maybe once or twice it feels... ...in the last five or six weeks... ...but they did these sit-down interviews with Brad... ...and he's like... ...you know, Sean's kind of like... ...you know, he's kind of like a bit gay... ...like a bit of a kind of a girly girl register...
1: ...where's this come from now?
0: And he he also said as well... ...it's like, uh, you know, the, the real people, my fans... Kinda of like the the guys, you know, working on oil rigs. Lumberjacks. <laughs> you know, but real men, you know. Manly Steve, man. Steve Ringo, he's a big fan, you know, he, he chops down trees with his bare face, you know.
1: Nick Offerman, guys like him in their <laughs> sheds, like.
2: I, I've never got the feeling that Brett is a man of the people.
1: I mean, do you think, who's is Brett like a man's man? Like, you know? I, I see Brett more as a man of the people in general than a man of manly men. Like, he's never had that stance before now where he's like, I only represent the manliest men. And then suddenly in the last couple of weeks, that's become his angle now, is that Shawn Michaels is too much of a boy toy and he's got his silly little heart tattoo and he wears earrings and whatnot. It's a very different like angle to take on it all of a mm. sudden. It
0: just makes both men seem petty for very different reasons. Yeah. Because they keep using the clip of Shawn Michaels being like, In your mind, you big fucking mark, you think Reston's real! Yeah, And it's not! It's fake! It's fake, everyone!
1: <laughs> <laughs> what about all the personal issues they've had? Like the hair pulling and the spitting on each other and everything. We don't talk about that. We just talk about like it's a difference of ideals now or something. It's because like... they
2: don't want the audience to know about that stuff.
1: You'd be surprised over how they've been booking it this yeah. last few months. They seem yeah. like everything they're doing is for the audience at the minute. I mean, you know there was a version of
0: this package that had the sunny days line in it or whatever. There. Like, yeah. you know. Oh, and just so you know, Triple H pops in right at the end of their promo. Hey, guys. Yeah. I'm here as well <laughs> for some reason. Oh, and tonight we are
1: sponsored by MB's Karate Fighters. Yeah. I have no idea what this is. Oh, baby, they've been doing it on Raw. They've set up a Milton Bradley Karate Fighters tournament. So it's these stupid little plastic figures. You put them on a stand, and they have like a leg or an arm that sticks out, and you hit the button. It's like Rock'em Sock'em, right? Kind of, yeah. You hit the button, and it flaps around, and you have to hit your opponent. And they've been doing things where it's like Joey Lawler versus Brian Christopher. Oh, there's a 16 tournament yeah, that they did. Yeah, they're doing it every week on Raw. Like, okay. they're progressing this tournament.
0: And it, it's knowable for a couple of reasons. You know, seeing the likes of Freddie Blassie going one-on-one with Sable, obviously yep. fantastic. They, they denied us the Sable sunny face-off that the fans clearly wanted to see. <laughs> but uh, also as well, it was a, an early vehicle for Bruce Prichard to make fun of Jim Ross's weight because... He appears as his original character, Jumbo Jim, who is uh, Bruce Pritchard with a very big hat and uh, lots of uh, fat stuffing in him. Because you know, take that,
1: Jim Ross. Right,
2: Bruce is already a big guy, though.
1: Yeah, but not as big as Jim Ross
2: about the same. I know, <laughs> like, he's so mean. Like. It's just, yeah,
1: it's, it's good to know that Bruce Pritchard has always been so hateful, yeah. like, and he's always just been a nasty, nasty man. I never, I
0: never knew you could actually punch down and hit yourself at the same time, like, <laughs> but he managed to find a way. So obviously, you know, Milton Bradley, your Karate Fighters, is pretty damn 1997, mm. but I need my cultural touchstone. I need to sink all of the items in the area and get my mini-map filled in, so Billy, if you don't mind, please.
2: So yeah, so now on, I'm going to be the Culture correspondent <laughs> of, uh, of the AE podcast in terms of what's going on. Boo! It's um, the zeitgeist. Just to say, well, you know what's been going on, on in the world. So I've got some music, film, and events. Okay. okay. Uh, so in terms of, I've managed to get the UK and Irish number one. It is the same song. Ooh. And the US number one song. Okay. Uh, for November uh, 1997. Would anybody care to take a guess? I'm guessing
1: we're talking pop, are we? Yeah. Genre. Boy band, girl band, solo.
2: Uh, uh, mixed. Mixed?
1: Mixed.
3: Oh. Is,
2: is are we talking two, the Fugees? No, we're <laughs> really for S Club 7 here. Is that what nah, we're talking about?
1: Yeah, no, 90, it's 1998, 99. Mm, I would have thought. we have got about. to think
2: more Europe.
1: More Europe?
2: What, the Venger boys? Cotton are Eye coming? Joe? no you're on the right sort of lines though Macarena no oh, oh give it to me Billy what I'm... is it we're talking Barbie Girl Barbie oh! Girl like oh, is god the current damn. UK and Irish number one single that was
0: number one for a fair old yeah. stretch mm. oh god I just think of it Bret Hart sitting in a locker room crying like, come on Barbie let's go
4: Barbie <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. some <laughs> single this is <laughs> and
2: strangely and just to show that how like certain Americans have a weird fascination with the UK mm. the number Number one single? Would you take, care to take a guess? In America. In America. As a UK America. artist, I'm guessing. Yes, then. and it's a very UK thing.
1: Mm. Not Spice Girls. Not I get knocked down. Not <laughs> Sir no. Cliff Richard. Hmm. Don't get much more British than that. We we've got friends that are like such pop nerds. They're screaming at yeah. their podcast right now. Come on, Billy, what is
2: it? It's Candle in the Wind, 1997, <laughs> with its oh. B-side single, "Something About the Way You Look Tonight." Of course,
1: oh. the Queen of Hearts never
2: made it to number one in the Lady UK, Di- but it did in the US. We didn't put wow. that. Wow, no, I don't think Heartless so. Heartless bastards.
0: Wow, this is good as killed her again. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> fucking horrible.
2: And then in terms of film, mm. I could not get the Irish that information is not available as I've discussed because you're English they wouldn't let you have have it it, it. but I do have the UK number one film and the US number one film. The UK one is terrible I'm going to guess Mouse Hunt. No Ah, fuck Number one UK film is An American Werewolf in Paris what? Yeah, what?
0: Is that film that recent? Ninety-seven. I would have thought that was earlier.
1: Yeah, I thought that ah. was early
2: nineties. Dreadful movie. <laughs> and US had a much better movie, though they may not have fully understand what it was going for in Starship Troopers. Oh uh, which is
1: an absolute bobby dazzler. Yeah, of everyone film. loved it, but not for the reason they were meant to love. Yeah, don't, I don't fucking get
0: ninety-seven. I, honestly, like when you tell me those things, there, it's this weird blur. I think it was just maybe sli- are we just slightly too young to really comprehend what
1: was going hmm. on? There? Ninety-seven is like. I I think 98 for me is the year I came online and I've actually got memories <laughs> yeah. from that point onwards. 97 is hazy.
2: And then in terms of other sort of events that happened in 1997. And then you're,
0: you're going to use the fucking term event liberally here now. <laughs> right? If these are mass murder events, <laughs> no, I don't want oh, oh, no. no. we'll we'll to get dark-sided. In.
2: The first episode of I'm Alan Partridge. Hey! Oh, oh, November ninety seven. Bean is released. The ultimate oh, disaster movie? In,
1: in cinemas, Bean oh, is released. i got a picture of you in my mind, baby. Oh, yeah.
2: The Lion King opens on Broadway at the New Amsterdam Theatre. Oh, baby. That's when it opened Broadway. for the first time, yeah. Jesus Christ. The final episode of Beavis and Butthead's original run. Oh, baby. was November 97. And uh, I, I'm not going to mention the c***, <laughs> so that's the last one. <laughs>
1: I'm not going to mention it, he says, while mentioning
0: it. <laughs> there, there is one which Billy had, which we had a little team meeting of last night and decided <laughs> you can't really slip that in, open with it, or finish with it, so we'll just leave it there yeah, then, we'll, we'll leave late. it there. <laughs> Thanks very much, Billy, for your redacted correspondence.
2: As More forward. next time.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's anyone's ballgame here tonight. JR opens up and, like, you know, there's, there's some controversy in the air because... You know, insider fans will know that brett was openly negotiating to go to yeah. another company mm. i was watching off the record was a you know a good touchstone for wrestling in the 90s with michael landsberg the aggressive fucking canadian sports journalist and he had brett on literally two days before survivor series talking you know quite openly about you know this is the plan or that's the plan you know i have an offer on the table from both essentially and and That, if you were... I I kind of get the the vibe a little bit of like when Brock Lesnar left at WrestleMania 20.
1: It was known. It was known, if you want to
0: know. And I think if him being in Montreal tonight, that's a great kind of buffer for all of that. Because could you imagine if they were in America... And it's Brett being anti-American Brett. And mm. they find out that he's negotiating yeah. for the other
2: company, brother. Fucking
1: trash filling
2: the ring. Well, we do have some like signs in the crowd saying, good-looking WCW, Brett. Ah, the people, the people are nice about it. bone
0: chance, pal. <laughs> and I like as well, Like, there's some ominous little moments here tonight. Which, when you know what happens in Montreal and what happens at the end of this pay-per-view... Every other thing seemed like a, oh, they're they're signposted here. Yeah. But when JR hypes our main event and says, folks, tonight we will find out who the man is. Brett the Hitman Hart or the incomparable
1: uh. Shawn Michaels? <laughs> I wonder who it'll be. Will it be the incomparable lad? I, I mean, speaking of commentary, the fact that tonight we've got JR and Jerry yeah. with no Vince. No Vince? Mm. Immediately, if I was Brett Hart, I'd be like, I'm taking notice of that. That's suspicious that the boss man isn't going to be on commentary tonight. There's already something fishy about that, I think. I think since Bad Blood, Vince
0: has been. That was his last pay per view on, on commentary. And. We've said it before, and it was more so apparent here tonight. Mr. McMahon, Vince being the owner, that curtain hasn't come back. That curtain is opened thoroughly, wide
1: open. They are openly
0: talking about like, the fact. The curtain
1: that is open, Behind it is
0: Vince McMahon going, "Hello, I'm Mr. McMahon." The a big character. neon sign <laughs> pointing at him. Like we cut over to the French announce team, who have their mics cut immediately mm-hmm. in uh, one of the many signs of disrespect before the day of crowd here tonight. And another side of disrespect for the crowd here tonight. We open with... uh, One of these Survivor Series matches. Mm -hmm. It's Headbangers and the Blackjacks taking on the New Age Outlaws and the Godwins. Oh boy! Billy Gunn, he's a badass. Jesse James, he's a road dog. Guys, it's the first appearance in our prequel series of the New Age
1: Outlaws. It was such an underwhelming debut for these two lads. Yeah. Literally just one week, they walk out with no music and Road Dog's like, you're not going to believe it,
2: I'm tagging with Billy Gunn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's it. Like are yeah. the new age outlaws.
2: He introduces now. the team as Southern Justice as he well. He says yeah. it
0: loads. Yeah. So big big time for Road Dogg coming out to Deadwood style music being like, I'm the D-O diddly double G! i think something that we obviously should mention at the start as well is that not only are they associated still you know Shawn michaels triple h in china they've officially called themselves degeneration x Mm -hmm. and dx is now a thing i only bring that point up here now is that i can't believe with all the millions of documentaries and talking heads about how innovative dx was and how they were pushing the envelope and the button that literally the same week they debuted this new DX concept Mm
1: -hmm. they debuted the same fucking concept with Road Dogg and Billy Gunn thank you same thing such a ripoff, And the fact that Triple H was happy to work with Road Dog and Billy Gunn later really surprises me because they have just nicked their shtick mm. wholesale. They're just being these two degenerate lads that are saying loads of naughty things. The same week that DX started, like, it's so brazen. For me, it makes just a little bit more sense for the New Age Outlaws,
0: though, because the idea that they're two jobbers who have... You know, I always love that when the jobbers are sick and tired of being jobbers and they want to take their own opportunity, and that little storyline is always one I will enjoy them being degenerates makes a lot more sense than the guy from Greenwich Connecticut with those house prices it might yeah. make more
1: sense but they didn't come up with it that is very much Sean and Triple H's thing and they have just nicked it that's all this is
0: here has anyone ever had a moment in their life when they've been as fucking embarrassed but had to keep walking forward with a brave little face like the black jacks coming out to the headbangers oh. music yeah. Bradshaw looking yeah. down his feet do 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 do
1: do 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 oh such a pair of relics these guys they look so
2: Scary though, I think. You like, reckon? Yeah, they look very intimidating. Their big mustaches. Yeah, I think.
0: <laughs> I think so. I think what it is is like. I know that they're both legitimate hosses, and any time they've shown up on this series, season four, they've seemed so disrespected that I feel yeah. that they're like one wrong booking decision away from and someone. I, I felt bad for Road Dog here tonight. Let's mm, just say. Snap. <laughs> I have to admit, I did like Road Dogs shtick like the early day shtick of road dog i think i prefer to the what it would become later on in dx mm. where it's just like a little rhyme or whatever when he's coming out and jerry and jerry are like oh this guy never shuts up mm. he just talks he just talks and talks and talks fans are rabid they want to see the road dog get killed yeah can anyone describe for me road dog's uh special ring gear that he has
2: the only, I can't remember Road Dog. I just remember that Billy Gunn's got a brim of a hat. That's the only thing that's burned in my memory at the moment. So, they yeah. look so shit. They have
0: these hats because they disrespect people, you see. And mm. they stole the Black Jacks hats and then cut out the brims of the hats. They would come out with like the tall bit of the the cowboy hat, or they'd wear like the big rim of it around their neck like a big dog collar. God so sake. they can't Billy Gunn can't lick his stitches. Or but uh, Road Dog, I could describe his look here as basically if you went to your mom and asked her to do you a Road Dog costume. Oh. But you were out with bin packs. Oh. Literally, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Road Dog written on him. <laughs> it's so crap. Road Dog, him psyching up Phineas Godwin, giving him a little spanks, stuff like that. That was fun. Yeah. You know, they, they, they had a he fit into this weird like they tried to make out that this Survivor Series team was like a weird kind of conglomeration I it guess. is a
1: weird conglomeration like both these teams ver- I've watched every episode of Raw between the last pay-per-view and this one and I still don't understand why have we paired these teams up just together just because they the
2: Survivor Series matches at this time that there is no reason no it's just we've got to get as many people on the card on what have you got spare and that's why Survivor Series fucking sucks as a pay-per-view yeah. I can't unless think of there's a-, a story and a reason for these teams to be there
0: is there anything more low-state than the oh, the multi-tag team Survivor Series match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you could tell why next year they're doing Deadly Game. Yeah, you know? yeah definitely. After this. <laughs> and the year after, like, ah, fuck it, run over Steve Austin. I don't like this <laughs> concept anymore. We have some hard-hitting, meaty action because there's some big old staky horses in this match. Henry Godwin, early on, gets pinned by Bradshaw who does an abdominal stretch roll-up, which was uh, mm. quite the sight to see, mm-hmm. to be honest. The crowd is... I couldn't, I couldn't figure them out
2: all oh, night. Nice. They're a bit weird tonight.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to be like, Bizarro World, ladies and gentlemen, but they are so hot for bits. Mm. And then, like, any time they get hot for something, like, the headbangers be like, you're hot for... Th- come on baby and they're like boo yeah. they, they go
1: from hot to like quiet to booing at the flip of a switch it's weird they're very temperamental and very rude as well and horrible like, <laughs> I don't like Billy Gunn that's well established but they chant the F word at him repeatedly oh, yeah. and I'm not just saying like oh there's a subset I mean I'm talking arena Arena-wide. wide mm. the whole building chanting that word I mean that's
0: something which I would expect if I turned on an ECW show You know? that crowd, crowd not sm- Montreal like i'd figure you know two or three thousand you know smelly smart mark Mm -hmm. fans back in the day i'm going to expect that that's me i'm approving i'm just expecting it but like wwf in this allegedly still we're apologizing when things get a bit bad Mm -hmm. arena wide and i you know for how too recently i did a a 96 pay-per-view good friends better enemies and arena wide chance Mm -hmm. to that as well and we get it later on tonight with multiple Mm -hmm. people a lot of hate in your heart there in Montreal, Legit. folks. Jesus Christ. Well maybe it's because all of the uh all the fa- all my fans, you know, all the, the tough guys and the homo- all the homophobes. You know? real, man. <laughs> yeah. Really, really, really enjoyed some of the action between the blackjacks and the Godwins just because they're obviously making their money by hitting each other extra hard. Phineas eliminates Barry with a fucking spinny clothesline and It was borderline, you know, 2013 Divas Survivor Series matches of how quickly that they
1: were going. And how silent the crowd was for the eliminations as well.
0: Watch Mosh in this match, folks, because he's just the whole time, he's, just, he's like distracted by the crowd, like, what are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you want? Billy Gunn has got heat, but I don't know if... Like, I, that's the thing with the, with the New Age Outlaws, when they're chanting that, is it because they've got heat, or is it just because the fans, like... I don't know, they do things... Homoerotic, like huh, in yeah, any way. They, yeah, they're anyway. even that much on those, like, way less so than Sean and Triple H. Oh, yeah. Where they're trying. like, hey, 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 man, I'm gonna suck a dick away. They yeah. you know, hear they, they're, they're just like, they tap each other on the shoulder and they're yeah. chanting the F word at It's Weird. really fucking strange. D and J are trying to cover for them, the crowds. No. No. Like, well, I think they're chanting something in French, you know, I, I don't. My, <laughs> my, my English ain't even that good, folks. I'm not gonna try and translate that brave ignorance. brave stuff there, Jim. <laughs> fucking hell. King says that Billy Gunn is like Saddam Hussein. Everyone is mad at him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, we were all very cross with Saddam back in those
0: days. That fucking
1: bastard with his weapons of mass destruction.
0: I remember the one and what... only, the famous sir. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I
2: remember watching, you know, the, the the news where the, where the statue of Billy Gunn was pulled down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thresher and his goatee. How about that? Oh man, the facial hair in '97. Hell. Mosh gets eliminated by Billy Gunn. There's a pretty cool spot where Mosh goes for like a top row bulldog and Billy Gunn just face plants him. Mm. Like really, I do like how primordial Billy Gunn's gear is as well. He's got like it's a like they, they're men without gimmicks. They don't know what they are. Like. Yeah,
1: it reminds me a lot of Al Snow. Like he's got like yeah. this sort of avatar looking pants on. He's got this weird white crop top. It's very very weird. I was
0: very 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 distracted. There was like in the front row on the hard cam, the the, the middle was missing. Like, missing. there was like. No one sat in the middle of the front row. Huh. And then, like, by the end of this match, like, there were security guys bringing in people because someone obviously had heard yeah. of it and yeah. seen how bad it looks. We get more F-word chance this time for the incredibly homoerotic
1: action between Phineas and Headbanger Thrasher. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess maybe Headbanger's wearing skirts probably riled up the crowd to some extent, maybe.
4: Yeah?
1: Yeah. Just come on there, like... Confederacy's gonna
0: get more heat in Canada than that. Ah,
1: uh, we don't care about that.
0: Oh, I should point out as well. Missing from action with the Godwins tonight is Uncle Cletus.
1: You say missing in action? More like missing forever. Yeah, like, they they, I, they wrote mentioned him, off. him. They
0: wrote him off. Did you see how they wrote him off? No. It was after the Godwins had won the tag belts and they did a special thing where the Legion of Doom they, they they got a tag shot title shot against them and if they lost they had to retire. If they won they got the belts and the Godwins lost and afterwards they beat up Uncle Cletus with a horseshoe and they hard weighed him and they battered the fuck out of him they split him open he was bleeding from his mouth he has got all those fucked up teeth and all that yeah. and like they literally had Jared going oh no and it's like this guy like fucking broken his face all bashed up and like stop making me feel sorry for the confederacy guy like you know yeah.
1: that shows you the impact that Uncle Cletus made because I did see that and I watched it and I forgot <laughs> that was meant to be writing him off no really. mate they should put a statue of Uncle Cletus up like in the, in the middle of <laughs> Oh mate, there's a bit where Road Dog's hat gets knocked off, and you see yeah. his, his silly little hair no. like a Lego man or something. He <laughs> looks so crap. I'm not washing my hair so I can have dreadlocks
0: in 1998. Oh, oh bless him! I tell you, the crowd are are absolutely chomping at the bit to see the Road Dog get his ass kicked, though. Yeah, and I do like that Road Dog. It's something that he, I think, lost later on. But here he's happy to play the guy who talks a big game. Then he gets in the ring. He's like, no, 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 no. And he's yeah. running away. Him and Bradshaw. I, this is one of my favorite things in this match. I think yeah, it's probably the best. same, yeah. Him cowering from Bradshaw. And Bradshaw is like, you're going to get your ass <laughs> whipped. Great, stiff as a dick action here. He beats the bollocks
1: off of him. Just constantly gut-wrenching Road Dogg, Yeah. hearing him go no! It's <laughs> nice to see Road Dog like earn his paycheck and you know yeah. taking some big bumps and putting himself out there like that.
0: Bradshaw stiffs Billy Gunn off the apron and we get a really quick little roll up and it's like you one, two, kick out, three. Yeah! <laughs> they,
1: they did
2: it. And I love that Bradshaw was on his feet in seconds and I'm out and just goes punch <laughs> fucking drunk.
0: Boy I got my special wizard armor on! <laughs> and we had an awful like edge to the blackjack there. we come down to Thrasher and Billy Gunn and we get the pump handle reversed there's a roll up and then Billy Gunn like Mary Poppins himself off the we're calling it the pop drop like he, he goes off that top rope doing what was I should, it? Was, it
1: was a top rope leg drop I think that was, he was did it he completely
0: fucking whiffed it
1: it was referred to as Air Canada as well what
0: are you going to land in a different country are you like come on the new age outlaws are the sole survivors uh oh I mean this match had some bits I really liked, and some bits that I was like, "This is why I th- long thought that this was like a bad era for wrestling," you know? Yeah, there I was- hated this match personally. You- <laughs> you- yeah,
2: yeah. I, I like aside from that little bit with with Road Dogg and Bradshaw, Bradshaw. Yeah. I was like, I really didn't care for this, and even did the crowd, it like at the end of a Survivor Series match you either won a big chair or a big boo because the heels won yes. we got yeah. indifference here, yeah. well no, indifference
0: a... we got more F word chance, and the fact wow. that they had no music and there was just the two of them there and they were arena
1: wide chance for this again it was it was fucking weird it was really weird This. I, it doesn't help that we've had such a big break between pay-per-views and so I was really excited to do this <laughs> I think my hopes were sky high And to give us that match as our opening contest for a big four show felt like a real slap in the face. Oh,
0: look, look, Adam. I mean, don't judge it by the first match, right? Because you know there's other things coming, right? Variety is the spice of life. Exactly. Coming up next the truth commission versus the doa oh it's another
1: four on four elimination match yeah
0: okay. oh this is really difficult because i kept writing down for survivor series matches like ss match but that was the problem because the harris is in there i was like oh, yeah it's a different saying. kind of ss match you see what i'm Jesus saying here Christ. folks so the truth commission and doa who's the most racist <laughs> We've had, a, we've had developments with the Truth Commission. Serious developments. Not only has there been developments, there's been redevelopments. Because the Commandant, he's out of here. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Now the Truth Commission is led by the devious Jackal. And consists of Sniper and Recon. That's right, Bulby Cannon's in the mix, folks. Mm-hmm. And their special weapon, the Interrogator.
1: Kurgan. Kurgan, yeah. Kurgan. Just Kurgan.
0: I just kept saying to myself... I know it's it's what's his face from uh, Sherlock Holmes, or Robert Downey Jr. And yep. I was like, oh, he's going to be really really great. That's
1: overtaken the oddities for you now in your Yeah, mind. exactly. That
2: is canon, Mark. <laughs> the only thing I could like keep thinking about in this match is that every single person in this match, their name could be like a type of Monster Energy drink. <laughs> oh, Eight Ball I- Chains, Crush Skull. Jackal, yes. Recon sniper, sniper, interrogator. And if you had a big
1: can called the interrogator like <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the Commando Elite from Small Soldiers, <laughs> Ooh, Recon, eight ball, chains.
0: Yeah, let's make sure we got them all here on the DOA. We do have Crush, Chains, Skull, huh, eight ball. <laughs> <laughs>
2: For fuck's Jackal sex? really doesn't feel like he fits in the Truth Commission. Right, can anyone well, can
0: you guys try and explain to me how how the Jackal now is running the gang of South African
1: militants? He kicked out the Commandant, somehow. You're out of here. And with those David Koresh-like qualities of the Jackal, he has just taken over and made it into a cult.
0: He has both David Koresh-like qualities and tendencies as well. (laughs) Now, the Jackal, aka Cyrus, for those watching Modern Wrestling, it's Don Callis Mm -hmm. from TNA and AEW. One of my all-time fave performers. I absolutely love this guy. I think he's a, a, a magician on the microphone. But it was always in my mind, like, I remember reading Jericho's book and he talked about training you know, with Lance Storm and Don Callis. And, like, I used to watch, like, TNA in 03 when he was a character there. And I was I was like, no, no, not Don Callis, because he doesn't wrestle. He's a, he's a mouthpiece, he talks. Mm. But he's a fully trained wrestler and he trained in the heart dungeon, inverted commas, with, you know, Lance Storm mm. and Jericho. Okay. It's uh, just interesting that he never was, like, considered to be, like, a wrestler wrestler. He was no. always, like, the manager guy who maybe would take a few bumps or anything. Now, he came to power. <laughs> When they were in Kuwait, so they were in Kuwait, and he that bre- long
1: ago he took over the Kuwait. Yeah,
0: government. well, that's when they they've explained like that's how he he took hold of them when they were in Kuwait, right? And they were apparently left behind. <laughs>
3: left behind I don't,
0: I don't know yeah maybe like Vader like needed to have you know the way like when you've got like a lonely horse they'll put like a goat in with this <laughs> in the stable and Vader could not be there on his own so they gave him like you know truth and, commission. and recon and all that but the idea was that he kind of uh, he, he brainwashed them and he took them under his command but it's meant to be now the truth commission and the jackal it's all for the secret weapon it's, it's the interrogator he is the next big thing in the sport of professional wrestling yeah. folks Mark your calendars, 1988 is going to be the year of Kurgan. David Koresh-like tendencies. Billy, I figure you're best to explain to folks at home what they're talking about
2: there. Well, David Koresh was the leader of the Branch Davidians. And he was... It was a cult. I remember there was a, a, in a, cult school. It right? was a, a cult slash a commune. But there is obviously a lot of confusion about the end of the cult because the ATF in America essentially... Said you've got weapons, and you know David Krech said no, we don't. And even if we did, you're not allowed in here. And what people were led- and what people were led to believe for a long time is that the Branch Davidians killed ritually killed themselves, but that was not the case. The ATF, by orders of people like Janet Reno, essentially firebombed the place yeah, the, 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 the and killed, Burn down. Yeah, and, and that was done by the ATF, and then kind of covered up to a degree to make it seem that you know it was we didn't the government the didn't goodies. do anything. we couldn't have done the that. government didn't do anything yeah. wrong we didn't kill these women and children it it was they did it david Koresh did it when in reality we now know thanks to of of all people one of the people we have to thank for that knowledge is actually alex jones but alex oh, jones was a big no. proponent well, of we him. need to know what the 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 truth that actually happened here was the truth commission yes. basically and then people like him and then other other writers who were conservative leaving and anti-big government were the ones who actually ended up exposing the reality of what happened there
0: so obviously if anything happens here tonight with the truth commission that you don't agree with it is actually technically the jackals fault so if you're watching Mm -hmm. the oddities later on you're like it's it's those David jacket. Goresh-like tendencies of him.
1: Also, he took over by brainwashing. That means that yeah. in canon, Ball Buchanan has been brainwashed twice now by oh, two separate yeah. groups. I, I, I'd fellows. say third time, because the
0: of the boss man had a good L go on him as well. What about John Cena when he made him into B-squared? <laughs> that
2: must have been a little brainwashed. <laughs> oh, I forgot there. about B-squared. <laughs> yeah. Made the
0: rap brainwashes himself. Like, you know, that's, that's <laughs> all it is. Now, I had one thing that I really liked about the Truth Commission, is I love the entrance. Mm. The music... The the walking out with the slow marching yeah. and the jackal jumping up and down like their I branding is good. Love I love it.
1: their uniforms. Mm. I think they look like a cool team. They're proper nineties army men action figures. This is
0: part of gang wars, which is technically the theme of tonight's pay per view. Yep. Although I will say the gang wars have mostly died down a fair bit. Yeah. Like the Barikas aren't really uh, aren't showing up here at the moment. Nope. Like DOA and Truth Commission have been each other's throats. You've got, you know, the Nation of Domination in the mix a bit as well, but I don't feel anyone in the gang faction is as over as they were maybe three months ago. It's mm. lost
1: all of its heat, I'd say, the gang wars thing has. Like, I think we, we all were in agreement that it's it was over. It was definitely oh, over it was for sure. When it was DOA and the Nation of Domination, yeah. like, pull-apart brawls, the crowd were crazy for it, but no one cares now. This
0: match was interesting because it was Fat Hogs versus Boars, which I was all for, <laughs> you know? Love, love the OA coming out getting a big cheer for their bikes and then they strolly turn around and go back up the way and people like,
1: yeah. <laughs> they, they all come out like sat on their bikes pushing themselves along with their feet like a baby in a baby walker yeah. or something it looks so silly and twee yeah, that's good and bugger red never did the little baby
0: shuffle no. it's
2: because he like Undertaker probably actually had a motorbike license which I don't think these guys <laughs> yeah.
0: have yeah I don't know if I trust myself with Brian Lee behind the wheel of a, oh. motor, a motorcycle machine I loved seeing Cyrus like actually going to be... Like, that piqued my interest. like It sees all these giant muscle men and the guy in the little uniform who matches them.
1: He's going to wrestle. Like, that was
0: really fun to yeah. see. I liked that a lot. But this was kind of gang warfare Is it a, in, a, in a nutshell because we had a huge big pop when everyone brawled at the start. And then it settled into a nice long silence for the rest of the encounter. Comfortable. I asked you, Adam, as a special mission for this match... Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam was given the special side objective, and he will get extra XP if he completed it. What was your special mission for this match? Keep in mind this is the DOA versus the Truth Commission.
1: It was to count the amount of sidewalk slams that happen <laughs> in this encounter. And look, I'm going to address this right off the bat. It's not about the amount that happens here, it's about the context that they are used in. Okay. So in a Survivor Series elimination match, there has to be at least four finishes in order for us to get yeah. through the match. We've got to yeah. be four pins or submissions. There are four sidewalk slams in this match and each one of them results in a pinfall Amazing. Fantastic. If you like your sidewalk
0: slams, like Kevin Nash be watching this getting fucking hot under the collar this one. We have chains eliminated very, very early on by Kurgan. I just, I wrote down chains and Kurgan and I couldn't help the next thing I wrote down was Jesus save me because those words just naturally came out afterwards. Bobby Cannon tags in the jackal which I think is the best 60 seconds of the match where he's like, you know, being picked up by these giant bikers and being like, yeah. and after he immediately gets eliminated via a sidewalk slam, of he goes and joins commentary. Yeah, he completely, like, yeah. no-sells it. I like fuck I'm fucking, out of here. The Jackal jacks the feed and he's talking about how everything the Truth Commission does is for his glorification. <laughs> Good luck with
1: that. <laughs> so we know that the Jackal is Don Callous, we know that Recon is Ball Buchanan and the Interrogator is Kurgan, do we know anything about sniper? Who the hell this fella is? Oh, I did have Luke Poirier or Luke Poirier? He's he's a French Canadian wrestler, right? He would have been
0: like kind of a bit of a journeyman. He was on kind of the tail end of his career. That he he retired in like 1998, as far as I know. Oh, okay. But he did a lot of stuff for CWA Catch Wrestling in like Germany in the 80s and the 90s and stuff oh. like that. So he would have been kind of like a known name and all that. He had like a Rambo type of a gimmick. That was his his whole shtick. Right. One of the great wrestlers. who looked into movies and thought. I'll just do that then, shall I? <laughs> it works for Scott Hall. Exactly, it works very, well for Scott Hall, but Sniper hasn't got the same ring to it as Rambo. No. And if the Truth Commission had Rambo in it, I take it very <laughs> fucking seriously <conspiracy laughs> indeed, like, you know? The Jackal refers to Jim Ross as being the point man in the systemic defamation of my character. <laughs> Excellent stuff That's here. True. He also calls the Commandant a Hogan's Heroes Reject. <laughs> and for the trifecta on commentary, he refers to the DOA as
1: being physical <laughs> they certainly are jr says about a hundred times on commentary like uh here comes now skull or eight ball i apologize
0: I, I don't
3: know and i'm not gonna find out he
0: is sorry though he does apologize yeah. several times twin magic eliminates recon it's kind of I mean, for reconnaissance if you fall victim to twin magic then. yeah of <laughs> yeah. all of them they like, shouldn't have them. fallen for that i don't think they have a guy who's called like landmine sweeper or something like that i <laughs> wouldn't go get into the ring with him like We get a really, really, really shit bulldog by Sniper, which eliminates one of the Harris boys. Mm. And then the person who's left in, Jim Ross, is like, I'm just going to call him 8-Ball. Yeah, let's say for argument's sake, that's 8-Ball. I prefer that name. (laughs) It's funnier. 8-Ball tags Crush
1: but Crush is too busy tying up his ponytail and the camera's on him. So he's like, hang on a second. The tag is nowhere near because he's got his hands behind his head messing with his hair and the referee's like, in you go, tag made. Like, "Mm." hmm.
0: Every biker knows you can't go in without your hair tied up in a cute ponytail. Honestly.
2: I love how much they're putting over Kurgan know, in this, know. knowing it's Kurgan. It's Kurgan. Knowing where it's going to go, like... ICP, version. They're shining <laughs> them up for
0: the ACP, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, how many records do you need the ICP sold because of Kurgan, folks?
2: Thousands. Think about it.
0: Thousands. Every year, the Gathering of the Juggalos, Kurgan's putting asses in seats.
2: <laughs> oh, more, it's more Golga, surely. <laughs> oh,
0: He loves
1: Cartman.
0: i Sorry, can I get, distract you guys, because I've got all these notes to get through here, like... um. Of sidewalk slams A-ball there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's here's the thing, folks. We've had lots of sidewalk slams, but never in your life have you been hit with the sweet fourth sidewalk slam in a match. And <laughs> as the sidewalk slam is being hit by Kergan, you've got someone going, Yay, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of
4: death.
0: <laughs> <For> <laughs> <sake>! <laughs> it's so and you know what? Every time he does a sidewalk Sam Kurgan, it gets a little shitter each worse. time. Yeah. So Kurgan eliminates 8 Ball, and then we get a tremendous Sam by Crush. Crush does some, a couple of
1: cool little bits here. He does a kind of a figure four neck scissors at one point. just kind of a cool little tilter whirl. It shows you the baseline talent in the ring when you're looking at Crush going, like, he's a pretty big standout in this match. Yeah. <laughs> he's it's doing true, great. Man. I want to see Kurgan hit the
0: sidewalk slam. One more time. And he does. He hits a sloppy drop of his own as Kurgan hits the sidewalk slam on the remaining member of the DOA team. The Truth Commission win. And then the Jackal claims, I win Survivor Series.
1: Yeah, bless him.
0: And they have the big shot on Kurgan. He's in the ring there. And in comes Jackal to hug him. Mm -hmm. And there's a big zoom in as if to say, this is what it's all about now, folks. And one of my gloops of the night... Kurgan's got a big snot in his goatee. Oh. Oh, no. And it was I, I checked it was a nasal snot. Oh no. you could tell. Well, I mean, yeah, some, color. if it comes out of the mouth, it's not going to bounce. Mm, that's you know, that normal. looked like it was rubbery, you know? We, we
2: also get a great call from JR where he says, we're going to see great things from the Truth Commission. This is their one and only pay-per-view appearance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> They will not be <laughs> oh, on pay sad. So this is our last appearance of the Truth Commission, and the first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do, ex- they split up the Truth Commission
2: yeah
1: yeah of course but like they do it where it's jackal and the interrogator and that's going to be his thing oh okay so they get to, much like the hurt business is now mvp and bobby lashley yeah, it's, it's, the it's, truth commission will be the jackal and the interrogator sniper
2: anyway. and recon lose too much you're out Aww. and then jackal
0: ends up bringing in more carnival freaks and oddities and that's how the oddities oh, first come in yeah. it's a heel bit for the jackal to be like look at all these wayward souls i've brought in when right. the it's it's been through so I'll be like did you see howard stern last yeah. night it was an interesting match that had me cheering for people I never thought I'd cheer for. MVP of the match is obviously Crush, but um, yeah. Big shout out as well for the Truth Commission do the DX pose in the ring at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we chat with the fans about Bret Hart and Shawn
2: Michaels. I'm surprised by how down the middle this is.
4: Tonight, Hitman
3: is going to lose the title tonight, even though I don't want him to lose it. Michael's going to be the
0: three-time
2: champ. The main event, Shawn Michaels, man, big time. Guys, he's the best of years, the no best of us, and the best ever. It's true. C'est le meilleur de la gang. Il n'y a pas d'autre meilleur que lui.
3: C'est vrai. C'est notre Canadien. Nous C'est notre Canadien. Yeah. Shawn Michaels va gagner comme contre Bret Hart parce que Shawn Michaels est le Generation X numéro one. We travel 12 hours just to see him win and kick Brett's butt. Brett va gagner, c'est ça. Il au Canada. Il peut pas perdre. C'est ça, il gagner. It's the excellence of execution. and Sean Michaels could go back to the USA, where, because we don't like him. We will follow Bret Hart all the way. Shawn Michaels is going down in Montreal tonight. That's it. That's it. That's it. Certainly a variety of opinions, and you're looking at, at a live shot of downtown, beautiful Montreal. Yeah.
0: As it started, I'm like, oh, are they going to do the whole thing where like the French-Canadians are like, ah, I want Bret Hart to win, boo! But no, they pretty even keeled between the fans, you know, both Canadian and American fans who want to see Bret win or Sean win, it seems. Mm-hmm. Although, probably we'll find fewer Canadian fans who want Sean to mm-hmm. win here tonight. J.R.O. brings back from that package, there you go, folks, a variety of opinions on the main event here tonight i tell you, I had some smoked meat last night in Montreal Fuck at a place me. called Schwartz's. So uh, you want to head down to Schwartz's, they'll, they'll send you, tell them JR sent you. And that's how JR earned his free dinner the night before. <laughs> like. I mean, I've heard of free meat, but free smoked meats. JR, now uh, that's, that's an order. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the AOL
1: Zone. This is how you do it,
0: this baby. This is great. The fucking AOL Zone. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. And who's that beside him? Here I come to save the day. Kevin okay. Kelly is on his way. Yeah! Big shout out to uh, the anonymous ranch member who sent that one anonymous. in. Anonymous. What, what would you? Anonymous. What do you mean? I'll find him. You find him. I'll find him. Adam, you're fucking looking at him. Billy Key will show
4: you.
0: Yeah!
2: <laughs> Look yeah. at him.
3: not since the big show joined ecw (laughs) you were supposed to be my friend (laughs) can't believe
0: this now it turns out he's on the ranch eating oat cakes with cowboy kevin son of a bitch (laughs) he was wearing a cowboy hat the last live show (laughs) that's true every damn one of you were made fools of. (laughs) austin staring daggers at the chat screen no, this is great. Because I love it.
1: In the past, we've had like Shawn Michaels or Ken Shamrock sat up like Brian Pillman. <laughs> this is Austin barking at a little man who is like he's dictating yeah. to the man on the keyboard. So Austin doesn't look like a fool here. He looks pretty cool. Like. Oh,
0: he looks like he's his mind's in a million other places, and I kind of like that. Do the AOL zone. Do the social media lounge. There are a few times in like when they were doing that social media lounge thing the last few years in WWE where you'd get someone like a Kevin Owens who would know to do it like. I don't wanna like, I don't wanna be, be here. Yeah, it's you know? not my character like. And Austin is like he looks like he's just he's preoccupied. Yeah. And Kevin Kelly's like just trying to be Mr. Professional, being like, Well, oh, what do you think about, you know, your chances tonight?
1: Are you ready to come back and return to the ring? It's like, Well, my neck sucks. What do you wanna know about it? It is what it is. <laughs> And this to me just seems like such a Steve decision because I bet mm. they probably asked him like, Steve, we're going to get you to sit at the laptop and like type with one finger on each hand, just like Ken did. And he probably refused to do it. Like, I
0: th- Yeah, it was, it was an excellent little bit with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I like Kevin Kelly, obviously. I'm happy to see him back on the podcast, but I'm not going to let this clanger go. Fans joining us from the UK, France, England, all over
1: Europe. Come on! We got mentioned twice Twice! <laughs> what more
0: does Ireland need? We have our own indie promotion with abuse allegations. We've got it all. We've got it all. Like, where's wrestling is ye? Come on. Good Lord. <laughs> and I love as well, you know, back in the day, where you had to do a little bit of heavy lifting to do the plug, and Kevin kind of is like, well, folks, back to JR and King at ringside. Remember, Go to AOL.com now, then click on International, then Sports, and then it's simply keyword superstars. It's as easy as that, baby. (laughs) It's a five-step approach, guys. That's all it is.
1: How is the keyword superstars and not WWF? You know, it's no wonder they had Michael Cole showing you how to install the app, though, when this is the stuff they were used to back in the 90s. We got back to Jim Ross with one of the oddest fucking segues we've
0: had in a while. Folks, I want to tell you about our great sponsors here tonight. Milton Bradley. And last night, uh, we, we had dinner with his kid. Uh, we all went down to...
1: There he is. had a great time. They show us footage of like the Milton Bradley higher-ups all in the fancy box in the arena. Oh, guys, what would it be like if our dad was a high-powered executive at a
0: fucking toy company? He already has a great life. We don't need this as well. Honestly. Come on. Team USA versus Team Canada. Oh, we're
4: having
1: another we're in another Survivor Series match three in a row Adam Adam
0: this ain't any Survivor Series match we're talking about countrywide warfare okay and as well for the first time ever in 1997 we are getting a fan by the name of Steve Blackman who was bailed out of jail by Big Van Vader and he wants to know if he's got the fucking jam to be on Team USA going straight to the mouth of hell here in Montreal why was Blackman in jail Kevin Blackman was in jail because he'd be fucking Santino Marella, bit lads. He jumped the barricade. Jumped and got barricade. Oh, well,
2: Santino was invited. Uh, he he mm. was goaded, Billy. Yeah, is what yeah. he
0: was by Umaga and Vince McMahon.
1: Well, that's that's pretty cool. Like maybe if I jump the barricade, I'll get to be on pay per view as well. Like we should all jump the barricade. Maybe You're I Martin. should tackle Bret Hart. But, but 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 you
0: guys don't have a variety of martial arts skills and degrees as young Steve Blackman has. Do for yourself. I I always thought it was the case where it's like, all right, he jumps the barricade, he's a fan. And then we can see him do a little something something and then it's like, wow, well, okay, this guy's got skills. Get him on that Survivor Series team. He literally comes in and he's like dogpiled on yep. by the Heart Foundation uh- and Vader's like,
2: Leave him alone Stay down I like that though, Vader like diving on top of him and like taking all of the kicks and punches to protect to protect Blackman. It makes
1: Vader look cool. Yeah. But Blackman just looked like literally like a fan that had just come in. I I
0: love the idea of Vader being the badass to come you know bust someone out of jail and be like, it could be worse. You've got your passport, you know, you're not in (laughs) Kuwait. (laughs) Now, Steve Blackman, I don't know how much you guys know about his tenure with the WWF before this and what kind of
1: happened with his career and how it got a bit derailed. I think we've talked about this before. He'd been employed for a good while and then he got malaria, was yeah, it? Yeah, lit- like, literally in the late 80s, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. He was
0: travelling around. He got really, really virulent case of malaria and he was essentially on his deathbed for yeah. several... Like He was years and years he was hospitalised. You know, he was someone who did some job matches and some shots for them in like 89 and stuff like that and he lost almost all of his you know body muscle mass and all that so this is him here like restarting resetting and coming in it's weird though with Batman it feels like they're kind of throwing him in there just assuming that well with the likes of Ken Shamrock in the company now he'll obviously be a good fish mm. but I just think there's so many ways to bring in a killer martial
2: arts yeah. guy yeah and this like being the all-american fan. fan yeah, yeah. like the, the, and there's always a problem with that as having that be the debut of a character because if they're just being shown as a fan that's got involved mm-hmm. they can't be seen to kick in the ass of any of the proper wrestlers. Actual wrestlers but then you can't have this debut be them getting their ass kicked as well Just so lose-lose yeah. it's, it's a bad way to debut a character we have
0: michael cole backstage with team usa which is vader the returning no longer wild, maybe even more marvelous? Oh. Marvelous Mark Marrow, folks. He's with Sable. We've got Blackman and we've got Goldust.
1: Who's going through changes? New heel Goldust mm. now. Do you have any idea what happened with Goldust? Well, Billy? he's going.
2: Th- I know he's going through a divorce. That's about all I know.
1: And it's not just a case so of going through a divorce. Miserable. It came out of nowhere. They did this really nice sit-down interview with Goldust and Marlena with Jr. And I think the whole point of it was like. Brian Pillman died in the middle of this salacious storyline. And they
0: literally addressed this. So J.R. was like, folks, we're going to address you know, what happened with the Brian Pillman situation like, as it related to them in Kayfabe. What yeah, else? so let's yeah. wrap this whole thing mm-hmm. up and
1: just like, rather than just pretending it didn't happen, let's try and wrap it up in a relatively neat little way. And they're talking about, you know, they're having this little sit down and Marlene is talking about how happy she is to be back home with her daughter and everything. And then out of nowhere, Gold does just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of your goddamn bullshit. And Marlene, he starts calling her Terry for the first time on TV, like referring Mm. to her by name. It's too real. (laughs) Her acting is unbelievable. Like it is so uncomfortably realistic. Mm. Like she immediately starts tearing up and like, God, she sells it like a million dollars, but you you don't want her to because it's so inappropriate. And also, brutal. you know, this this is
0: what leads us into the artist formerly you known as Goldust yeah, yeah. and his pairing with Luna. And he's alluding. He says like, I found someone new who who understands my creativity. And will let the me, real me, maybe me the real me. Yeah. Now he's also broken his arm as well, so mm-hmm. there's kind of a bit of an age, I guess, for him tonight. He has fu written on his face which stands for Forever Unchained, folks, and I will say that 19 times Mm -hmm. tonight, because heaven forbid you think he's saying a rude, dirty word. He
2: doesn't want to be saying the fuck word. No,
0: come on, not on pay-per-view, not in Canada. Vader, as the spokesman for this fucking hodgepodge team, we don't like big-mouth Canadians telling us what to do. And I'm coming to get my revenge on you, Jim Neidhart from Reno, Nevada. All
4: right.
2: <laughs> this is just a, such a ramshackle team. I, I kind of like it, though.
1: Because like more, no more so than at the Canadian Stampede, the fact that America is a land of you know, of differences. Yeah, and what I like about this is it kind of is Vader's mission, and there's these three random dudes, and Vader is very much like it'll go on to be the story of the match. Vader is trying to hold together this random team that he's assembled. He's mm-hmm. like. basically Vader is meant to be the patriot here. Yes, d-
2: definitely, be- like and better than I- like the patriot. I'm that's I exactly what it is. Loved
0: Vader in this role because the idea of a guy who's like just this big fucking glute warrior lad. Mm-hmm. and he's like no i am got to put together a team Yeah, and like he's, he's, Vader's in over his head here basically definitely in a
1: very interesting way like I think it, it, yeah. you just know that Del Wilkes wouldn't have been able to handle this the same way that Vader does yeah. here fuck like.
0: no the hole in his mouth in his mask isn't big enough for him to do a promo Aww. like this and Steve Blackman gets the microphone put on him I am here as to be the Survivor <laughs> Series fourth man uh, yeah he he looked
1: very much a deer in the headlights here.
2: He never improved on the mic, did he? They was just that. Ah, uh, no. One just way or s- another,
1: he's selling the role of being the nervous fan is what it is, because he's a fan that's new to all this, and he's just selling it really, really well. And he was segueing
0: to nervous black men instead, yeah. like, you
1: know. Marvelous Mark Merrow, who has returned
0: with a new style, he's doing a lot more of the boxing gimmick. This is a much more defined version of this character than we would see. In season one, he would become like my pants
1: are falling down, Sable. But I'm still a boxer. Oh, I, I
0: kind I of there is I can see what the actual point of the gimmick is here. Yes, a yeah, bit. I
2: can see what they're trying to do here. Yeah,
0: you know, and he also as well like his look here is great. Where he's got like the body hair and the shaved head. That's yeah. uh, way
1: better than Wild Man Mark. Yeah,
0: no, definitely this this works for him a lot more. And the boxing stuff does actually work in the match that like, they would have him where he would hit people low. You know, to, to, to kind of get a cheap victory, and hit mm-hmm. him low in the stomach and stuff like that. He started doing TKO as well. Mm-hmm. And he's also started bringing Sable out at ringside. And Sable is not appearing in these kind of random skits and segments like she was before. No. Doc Hendricks is selling you the stuff on his own now without any Sable there. And immediately, like, if there was any sort of an idea of, like, a, oh, well, it's actually meant to be for Mark Merrow, they knew straight away what they're doing here. Like, mm. with the whole, like, it's going to be Sable as the big star and Merrow's
1: not. Well, how literally, how else could it go? If the storyline is, is that you've got this superstar woman and her jealous husband that keeps trying to sort of mm. shut down her opportunities, wh- what other direction can yeah. that storyline go other than Sable becoming a megastar?
0: So we have Team USA coming out and there's something about a ramshackle not-quite-as-you-remember-him version of Goldust coming out to Kurt Angle's
1: theme that gave me big No Mercy vibes. So surreal. <laughs> so funny. Because like when they do that big Team America promo and you're watching it, seeing Vader be the captain, it's like oh, well, I'm guessing he's replacing the Patriot. And then he comes out to the Patriot's music like, fuck you, Dell. Oh,
0: I'm even checking to see if he's injured or not still. Oh. <laughs>
1: Jesus, the dick on
0: Goldust. <laughs> Forever Unchained. He's not take that down tonight. Fuck me. <laughs> I love as well that when he's coming out, Vader's got his arm around Steve. He's like, don't listen to any of these yeah. bullies. I'm, I'm your friend. Just little Aww. mate. Now Team Canada, oh. this, is, this is a team of killers and mostly people not from Canada
1: One Canadian <laughs>
0: It don't get much more Canadian than this Reno Nevada's Jim the Anvil Neidhart Manchester England's the British Bulldog Phil Afon, who is from Canada And Doug Furness, who is the most American sounding man that man. has ever existed And he did a promo like the week before where he's literally like I hate America!
1: Fuck it!
2: For <laughs> sake they always say, if you don't love America, leave. Well, I left.
1: That's a pretty good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> they
2: have a... I mean, it was,
0: it, was, it was a young Rob Conway saw this bill. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I will leave my country. Like, maybe I will abandon my post. Doug Furness with the line that sums up this entire America versus Canada feud. USA is all about drugs. Cram and slam
1: <laughs> We can't stand I
0: mean, for that. I mean can't stand for that, lads. Look, your 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 hand is up against the tide now, and it's actually a tide of slime. Because it's slime it'll run slow, but you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. Noel's house party, Nickelodeon Teen Choice Awards, wrestling. There's a lot of slime coming it's in your coming.
1: Come, you can't stop it. So I love that Team America obviously the Patriots not there, but they come out to his music anyway because it's a proper... American Rad. anthem, let's, you know, yeah. represent the red, white, and blue. So naturally, of course, Team Canada just comes out to Bret Hart's music. <laughs> the Canadian equivalent, like fans
0: are just eat it out of their you know, palm of their hand, you know, they hear that music and they're fucking jazzed up. Pavlovian, like. Are there really no other Canadians they could have gotten for this? No on umbrella on the cards. Yeah, so. they're already yeah. booked, that's it. Guess so. I just figured at the start this is gonna be a big fucking mess. Yeah, just because you've got such a like a mixture of not just singles wrestlers, but on the U.S. side, you've got three gimmicks
1: that are as yet not really been road tested in front of yeah. the crowd. I mean, at least there's actually big names in this match that I care about. But it's after having watched two other Survivor Series yeah. matches right before you lose, this, you
2: lose the the will to live a little bit. Honestly, it's, it's like hard three care. dinners, one after the Legit. other. No more. <laughs>
0: I love that immediately the sable chants were like deafening like this was mm. this was already like what, what the gimmick was going to be a hundred percent. And yes, later on you're gonna see Shawn Michaels defile a Canadian flag. But the British Bulldog started because he wiped his bum with Mark Merrow's American-style do rag. That's
1: really not on.
2: I enjoyed like JR trying to justify why this team is Team Canada because mm-hmm. Jerry asks him no, don't, and don't don't bring any <laughs> attention I'm, to it. I mean JR goes well Bulldogs married to Elihart, and King just goes who? <laughs> 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 I don't know who that is. <laughs> Jerry also suggests
0: early on in the match that Goldust get divorced. He's like, you should try it, it's great. And well, I Joe- that's on his mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vader getting suplexed by the Bulldog early on was, uh, was a feat of, of absolute amazing strength.
1: Beautiful vertical suplex, like pitch perfect.
0: I mean, I'm not looking ahead, I'm trying to take these shows as they come, but I'm not sure if we're going to be seeing Bulldog and Jim Neidhart. I know, I know Owen's obviously around for a bit more. But I don't. Sure, I know they do go out to WCW, but I think they're still going to be on TV. Like this
2: isn't really? their. I don't I think don't it's think their last appearance. I don't know if they have got any more pay per view appearances.
0: But they I, may show up on a RAW or something. Oh, okay. Well, we'll soon see, I guess. But I will say, you know, if this is the last appearance of, of Bulldog,
2: completely change minds on un- Bulldog. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So good.
0: Biggest biggest takeaway from season four so far. You know, excited maybe understanding Brett a little bit more mm. has been that the British Bulldog. Was way better than even people were telling me. Oh, he's better than you think he is. No one was telling me he was as good as this.
2: Like it's going to be even worse now. Watching any pay per view from 99, season, from '99 like, when he yeah. came back now, because now because that we just had a shit wrestler. Yeah. Now we know h- how good he was, how far he fell, and how uh, how bad it yeah, is. It makes it more yeah. tragic for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: JR covers for Steve Blackman who gets tagged in and is immediately counted out. He don't know the
1: rules! He keeps Even before he gets counted out constantly JR's going remember folks Steve Blackman not a professional wrestler he's not got any training <laughs> like, he's burying
2: shit. him. Why is there no attempt to even put him over slightly? Nothing. I thought he'd do one
1: cool thing at least. No. No, he doesn't do anything. Not at all. He comes off so crap. He literally comes off like he was a fan that got plucked out of the front row and put in a match. A fan's
2: going to know the fucking rules to a Survivor (laughs) Series match. Are you telling me people who watch wrestling don't know the fucking rules? This
0: guy doesn't. Blackman's going to be there at the end going, can you believe it? I got 10 out of 10 from that referee. I win (laughs) the Survivor Series. Jim the Anvil Neidhar comes in. He goes up to the top rope. What All are you right. Up there? I think if you've got any bed sheets tied together, where are you going, Jim? You are not be able to do anything. Uh, yeah, he does something off the top rope, and uh, he gets eliminated. <laughs> Jim Ross refers to him being a psychology major. What? Can you imagine? Yeah, from the University Jim of Rio. Jim Neidhart. Huh? He's there to Tell me about your problems with your parents. <laughs> Can you stop tugging on your goatee, please? Vader splashes Jim Neidhart. He's eliminated. We get Vader and Phil Lafon in there. And I'll tell you what, Furnace and Lafon, like, this is more so than any other of the brief times we saw them. You can see, because they're relying on them here to like hold mm. this match together. They guys have got some serious skills. Vader and Lafon particularly, I love that. The spin kicks he's doing, Vader won't leave his feet. Very believable stuff. I, I
2: think I remember when we've seen them in the, in the past, we were just a bit like, eh, on them. But they 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 definitely helped in this match. For to me, it was, it, it was
1: never their ability because they are very talented. It's more their lack of characters. Yeah. Yeah. And in a match like this, that doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter if they have no characters because they are just here to be like mm. bodies.
0: And like say what you will about Jerry, you can like, not necessarily agree with all of his opinions and all that, but if JR, particularly in the 90s, is saying, this guy is fucking great, this guy is great, uh, he's usually saying it for a reason. Yeah. Like He's obviously seen something fucking mm. great in them and there's a reason that he's hired them vader splashes phil from the top eliminates him and then we get the hot dog and the bull tag comes in runs wild he hits a power slam he tries to hit one on marrow but it's reversed who then starts working over him with some of those
1: boxing style
2: manoeuvres such a fucking shit fake punches
1: oh you're right I, I, I kind of liked know, I it. I, it I was going to say when he does it to like the likes of Bulldog they look mm, not great when he does it to Furnace Furnace sells them yeah, so Mark's good it, and, it's and I think it's, it's on the person who takes them does
2: Miro do something to his shoulder in this because JR keeps saying that he thinks that he separated his shoulder Jesus. really yeah he mentions uh, Miro starts like working the shot his own shoulder a bit just moving it around hmm. and then JR says I think he's." separated his shoulder I didn't catch that well I
0: so, know he does get injured again like he, he, well he'll continue to get, yeah, get injured yeah that's his gimmick mate but the thing to, to bear in mind with him is that like I don't say he's broken down but he's very 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 much like he's tenured at this point like he's doing you know, it for a while though. and I, th- I think he's one of those wrestlers where like you get these injuries sometimes in wrestlers and they just you can't come back to what you once were he's not mm-hmm. quite a Pillman level or anything like that but I mean there's a reason why he's doing boxing stuff and not the yeah. Marvelosity here tonight We have Mero getting eliminated by Doug Furness, who uses the tights on Mero. And then one of the odd moments of this match, which is Vader coming in and posing to the crowd to increasingly loud Sable chants.
3: Weird. What's
1: going on? It's like the game's broken or something.
0: We cut to Goldust, who has not yet to tag in the match. And his cast says the word freedom. And J.R. is like,
1: from what? <laughs> from your wife and kid? King says, oh, Goldust, let me tell you something. You make sure you pay that alimony on time or she'll repossess you. And JR goes, you speaking from experience there? Yep. Oh, <laughs> I used to have a much bigger crown, JR. Vader gets a
0: belly-to-belly suplex hit on him by Doug Furness. And fuck me, that was something impressive there. I, I really like that Vader was in the match for the vast majority of the match. Vader wrestled
2: yep. all four people on the other team. The story real. is
1: is that Vader is the glue holding Team USA together. Like He sort of set this all up and he's kind mm. of taking the brunt of the action.
2: We have
0: a slap to the face of Goldust by Vader, who's like demanding him to tag in and Goldust just won't play ball. And then the slap is counted technically as a legal tag. Mm. I love when shit like that happens in wrestling. It's great. Did you hear King's explanation as to how he thought Goldust broke his arm? No, it was like just being with Marlene they made him like punch a wall over and over until he broke Jesus. his hands. I'm speaking for experience, JR like, <laughs> So Goldust just walks out. Yeah, gets counted out. We get a Vader bomb to Doug, and Vader is just like you think he just might might be able to do it, but the British bell dog comes in, smacks him upside the head. <laughs>
1: You didn't need to do that. like. You didn't need to do it at the cheap finish for the baddies, right? Oh, I, I liked it because I feel like Vader, you know, he's taken some licks before now and mm. come off kind of not great in the past. But you need this to he, kill him he off, was the MVP of his team yeah. and they still had to fucking, he was outnumbered and they still had to bell him to keep him down. Like. I guess
0: my only problem with it is that if you're going to do the whole in Canada, we're good guys and in America, you know we're, we're, you know, they weren't, them cheating here made it seem like that they had kind of walked back on that whole idea. Oh yeah, that's gone. They're they're not
1: good guys in Canada. They're still heels regardless of what the crowd reckons.
0: Team Canada wins. (laughs) Jim Ross, as Team Canada Celebrate goes, as the nation of domination says, by any means necessary. Is that Uh... all you can say about Team Canada (laughs) winning? That's very, very peculiar. I thought this was probably the best of the Survivor Series matches we had seen so far. And I'm going to say, Probably one of the best Vader performances we've
2: yeah. ever
1: seen. Agreed. Yeah,
0: I've often heard that the final four pay per view, which we had not seen before WrestleMania 13, that's meant to be a standout performance for him. Mm. But this is very much one of those "which Vader will we get" performances. Yeah, he, I think he proved himself here tonight. Excellent. The largest crowd to ever witness a Survivor Series. How about that? And it's only like twenty thousand. Just didn't seem like much of a brag. Jerry says that Max Mini is piloting. The
1: little Karate Fighters mini blimp. I feel like we can say now, the last time we saw the the minis division was at Bad Blood when they were scrambling and they weren't booked and they just put them on and they had kind of a yeah. okay match. Mm. And we said, I hope that's not it for the minis. That's it for them. They've not been on TV yeah. at all. Oh, no. I think
0: you still get shots of them on shotgun and stuff like that right. here and there. But... I know, it was bad when all that made me do, and it made me go, ha, that's funny, and then oh I really wish Max Mini was gonna come here. Same.
1: Like I wouldn't even need to have him in a blimp, he could just come out normal. I mean, you're opening the show up with three back-to-back survivor series matches. Break it open. Imagine, lot, imagine yeah. putting in a minis contest in between one of those matches. It would have made such a nice difference. We get another plug for the karate fighters. Super Supper Sweepstakes!
0: You can, if you win the super super sweepstakes. Have dinner with any WWF superstar of your choice, and before we get onto Jacqueline Cook, the winner, who's on the line, standing by, and who she's going to pick, I thought I'd throw it to uh, to you, gentlemen, to tell me who would your Super Supper Sweepstakes dream dish
1: be? Who are you taking? Where are you going, Adam? I thought about going out for dinner with Davey because I think that would be quite fun. and mm. a nice. a big go to Burger food. King, but that'll be it. you'd only get a lot of tiny, tiny burger. burger I don't yeah. want that. I reckon I'm gonna go with Kane because you'll get Paul Bearer for free then, like ah, with him being his course, handler, yeah, yeah, you'll get yeah. a two for one, and I get to like grill them about all my favorite Jid questions, asking <laughs> them about the chemicals and whatnot. <laughs> Down at the grill, like isn't exactly. It, yeah.
2: Now, are we are they having dinner with us in character, or are we having dinner with the person? Which which
1: bait are we gonna get, Billy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's kind of meant to be. A bit in character. I would have figured yeah. Well,
2: then I'm going to go for mankind. Oh man! Or, or even dude love. All right, I would go That's dude love. That's a very different dinner, Because It's all Mick, isn't it? So yeah, pulling his hair. We go to that like out steakhouse, you know?
0: <laughs> can you imagine eating a dinner and then you're full and then someone coming at you for the mandible claw? That's like Ooh. the worst
2: thing ever. No yeah, way. We can dine and dash because you can do it to the waiter. <laughs>
0: Well, I I was trying to think like kind of, you know, I think we're all trying to think a little bit outside the box. not go for the obvious, like, you know, real depressing. My dinner with Bret Hart. Uh Tell me more. Uh But instead, I thought it might be fun. You take advantage of the gang wars. And, you know, I figured that the DOA, Los Pariquas, NOD. I want to go for a little bit of a tasting menu, right? (sighs) So like I go with the barricas and they show me all the beautiful Puerto Rican cuisine and stuff like that, you know. Maybe I'm going to get taken to, to Harlem with the NOD and get you know some of the local fare that's on offer there go to a bunch of gas stations and
1: get food poisoning with the Nazis, you know? So Good old time. You get to pick a supper to have with a wrestler, and you've chosen, what, 12 men? <laughs> i chose the tasting menu. That's why I was smart. You, you got greedy, Kevin. I got, I got greedy. I'm going in for dinner with
0: Savio Vega. <laughs> greedy. Oh, no, no, he's so busy, we won't be able to. We can't spare Miguel Perez. Like, come on. So, Jacqueline Cook, she's on the line and I just, the thing I love about this the most is that Jerry Lawler is just like, you know, gussying up, you know. He's even got a
2: napkin. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's knife and fork. uh,
0: where are we going to eat? And she's like, well, I'm going to pick Stone Cold Steve Austin. Jerry's like, yo, if I can only get that supper.
2: Great face from him as soon as she says it's not him. Yeah. Brilliant. Genuine hurt in his face.
1: Imagine if she chose Bret Hart And they're like, okay, well, Brett will definitely be up for that next week, I'm sure, like you got one last commitment, Brett, like, you
0: know. <laughs> and, I, and I promise my fans that I wouldn't have dinner in an Outback Steakhouse. I said that I would...
2: Yeah, Brett strikes me as someone who'd like setting the water back because it's not the right temperature.
1: Oh, yeah. Go Good Go him is what I say, yeah, Billy. It'd be, it'd be Sean's fault somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like, and my favourite thing about this is that Jacqueline is obviously very excited but a little bit awkward to listen to. And they're like, well... We'll check back in with you later, Jacqueline. And we no, do Yeah.
0: So she's picking Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, in 97, that's a pretty ornery meal. Silly, yeah. He'd be in there and out very quickly, like, you know. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, my God. What's that? That's It's Kane. we got time for a Kane shot.
4: It's going to be Kane, the Undertaker, looking at him, looking to the eyes of that giant who stands in front
3: of him. I will never fight my own flesh and blood. I will never fight Kane.
4: We are gonna walk through the World Wrestling Federation. Take each one, each wrestler, one by one, and destroy them until we reach you, Undertaker. Welcome
0: to your worst nightmare. This gave me goosebumps. Mm. Oh Mm. my
2: God. This is a great package. This
0: is one of the best packages, which I think we've we've mentioned before. Probably one of the best stories WBF have ever told. Mm -hmm. Even the warts and all are fascinating and fabulous. But the story is, since Bad Blood, this monster Kane has been on a tear. He keeps showing up. He kills people in the ring. He'll just lay them out devastating stuff and it's not just like I thought he'd be laying out jobbers and all that no no he's laying out a returning Ahmed Johnson he Mm. kills him he knocks everyone out on their arse and Undertaker I will never fat my baby brother. And I mean, that's
2: why Kane is doing it. Because uh, eventually, what, once I kill everybody else in the WWF, you've got no choice. Yeah. And Paul Bear being like, well, simply what we'll do is, we will carve a path
0: of destruction until you comply! It is... Reed really reminds me of, like... You know when uh, Brock Lesnar was first brought in by Paul Heyman mm. and Gerald's was like, oh no, he's got this guy. Yeah. No!
1: And the idea of Paul Bearer being like, who's laughing now, Jim Ross? Yeah. Oh, man. You've got the scariest, most horrible monster we've ever seen in WWF. And even worse than that is that he's under the control of Paul Bearer. No! Satan himself.
0: And what I love as well is that you've got... You know, he's he's taking on all comers, he's laying them out, and you know, it as would be the man's role later on in the run-up to WrestleMania 15. We've got Mankind, Mick Foley's yeah. here trying to shine up Kane to make him look like the big all seeing, all dancing, you know, absolute killer. And Dude Love got written off. That's Dude Love it. got
2: killed, yeah.
0: I yeah. feel <laughs> he's as Mankind, he gets a promo he's like, you took that young kid! Yeah, he just wanted to be an entertainer, damn you!
1: genuinely heartbreaking yeah. like he's not allowed to be love when Kane's around like, this is like we've had this real big growth from Mick Foley over the last six months where he's gone from being purely a scary unhinged guy to actually Maybe there's like an innocent puppy inside of yeah. him, and this this dude love is an extension of the good side of him, and you literally destroyed all that is good about him. It's basically like... saying, look, none of ye may like dude love at
0: home. <laughs> 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 but
1: Vince McMahon and
0: the character in cafe, Kayf- and yes, Mick may not like dude love either, but in Kayfaby it's important to him. Mm. I love the little promo here with Mankind talking about tonight, it's mankind. Versus a brick wall. And I'm just going to keep running into it and running into it. And I may die trying, but I may not. Oh. Oh, There's a hook. I may not die tonight, folks. That's what I love. He knows it's
1: such an uphill battle, but that doesn't phase him. Adam, what's that now you've got? Hang on. No,
0: no, no. What's that? Give me your hands. Let me see them. And the other one, <laughs> he's. Why don't you be laughing? What's that? There's jid there now in his. He's ah. got it in. A, oh, don't you be laughing. It's all over your face. <laughs> what?
1: What is this now? You've got jid, is it? Well, yeah. You, you you're allowed to have your little book and read a war poem for us, but I'm not allowed to bring literally the most important thing in my life. There, there's much of ye in each of these. <laughs> there <it>? really is. <laughs> there really is, folks. I was gearing up for some speculative jid. Uh-uh. No speculation, no speculation here, baby. Here. We got some black tar jid right yeah. from the source. Oh, it's thick! It's very thick. It's very oozy. Fellas, do you want to have a little extract of the Journey Into Darkness? Please. The problem was Mark, Undertaker. Since the Hell in a Cell match, the man had stayed true to the promise he'd made that night backstage. He wouldn't fight Kane, no matter what the provocation. It drove Bearer crazy. At match after match, Bearer had Kane appear in the ring, sometimes scheduled, sometimes unscheduled, always with the intent of forcing Undertaker's hand. Well, almost always. (gasps) Bearer still didn't have the chemicals entirely right. Sometimes Kane acted, acted out, on his own. Like the week after the Hell in a Cell match, when the Hardy Boys were in the ring waiting for their tag team opponents, and Kane, who'd been backstage with Bearer, somehow made his way to the arena and proceeded to toss the two fighters out of the ring like they were nothing. Bearer had to act quickly to explain that one away. You explain these men being tossed did, yeah. he, did he explain? I don't remember Bearer coming out on the mic and being like, I'm Let sorry. me
2: explain. <laughs> the chemicals weren't right. <laughs> Where were the Hardys here? They were just oh, young yeah. little jobber boys. They, they, okay. they show up on Raw all the time. It's just okay. like
1: lads to get thrown about, like some children for the wrestlers to to beat up, basically. And a couple of weeks after that, he had to do it again when Kane interrupted a match between the British Bulldog and Dude Love. And then in November, when he took on Ahmed Johnson, while Johnson was waiting to start his match with Steve Austin. So
0: this is after a Chia Pérez Cage match, database. <laughs> like, in a
1: bout that lasted 12 minutes and 6 seconds. <laughs> it all worked to bear his ultimate advantage, fed the public's image of Kane as a masked madman. A scarred monster waiting to take his revenge. But we
0: all know, of course, he wasn't, actually.
1: Of course, the scars underneath that mask were anticlimactic. Bearer actually made Kane keep the mask on most of the time, even when they were back at the house, because the fewer people who knew Kane's scars were not much worse than a bad sunburn okay, right, the yeah. better.
0: Because I was gonna ask are we at a point where it's post sunburn or is he still roughly sunburned?
1: It's just bad sunburn at this point in time. I just
2: like the image of like Kane walking around in like jeans and With and the, mask the on. and the mask on. It's,
1: uh, it's just quite... in case the mailman sees Yeah, like... you never
4: know, like
0: you know, he's at least, you know what, Glenn Kane commits to kayfabe. And yeah. that's one thing that you know his brother maybe didn't could learn a lesson or two from that. You know? uh, now
1: if you read the book, Kevin, you'll know that Mark was way too into kayfabe. Walking around wearing his championship belt, wearing his Undertaker outfit 24-7. Mate, like. he's doing
0: pranks now. Come on. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> well, as it is the JB match involving our big red boy Kane, it's only fitting that the Jidmaster himself, Adam, take us through this one. It is Mankind versus Kane at the
1: Survivor Series. Here we go. Just right off the bat, Kane's entrance fucking unbelievable man. everything about it was perfect yeah. I so cool even though it got cut off short yeah it was still
0: like it phenomenal felt like bad
1: blood again when he yes. was coming out like so eerie goosebumps and I don't know what it is I don't know if it's a slightly different prototype version of his mask that's a yes. different shape he looks more evil like the mask has angrier eyes than mm. usual yeah well,
0: I, I, I wrote that down as well I was like I thought it was like a slightly different it looks like a more the death mask the yeah. original one the <laughs> mask
1: what is it the necromancer That's it the master of negro, what i So yeah Kane comes out looking fucking evil scarier than usual and Mick tries to cut him off straight away mid entrance and because this is like what happens in 2K20, when you do that, you glitch the game, and the arena <laughs> lighting stayed stuck on red for the rest of the match as a result of that, so...
0: Oh, I thought it was the Sin Cara, you know, getting Heat Slater's mind, you
1: know, mm. how am I supposed to wrestle there, no lads? That's a calming dark blue, and you know it. This is a scary red. Although I will say, because they attempted this with The Fiend in more recent years. Yeah, the red lights. This version of the red lighting is way better. It's not quite as harsh, it doesn't quite feel... It's like, like-
2: a deep red they do yeah. now, so you can't really see it. I mean. is it
1: because the are the fans lit up at red
0: as well because I think like lighting the ring in red but then when the fans are lit in red I think that makes it a bit headachey. perhaps that's it it's
1: not quite as dark and as headachy as it is with The Fiend this is still way more watchable and then Kane when he gets in the ring he does the big four corners pyro and it lights everyone up with colour again and it just looks fucking awesome such a badass visual. Should
0: they have stayed with the lights for the, the whole run with Kane? Because they get rid of them, I guess, by the time he's fighting The Undertaker.
1: Honestly, it works for this match, but I feel like we're going to come up to a match at some point where it's like, oh, this is actually just a headache. Like It doesn't See, quite make sense.
0: Any any wrestler's gotten gimmicked lights, they mm. always get sick of it. And yeah. Even with The Fiends, they got rid of the lights. Yeah, and, like... it's
1: understandable, I think. It does get old fast. Vince gets headaches after a while. But for this debut match and the story they tell in this match, I think it works really, really well. So Mick tries to cut off Kane during his entrance, Kane doesn't give a fuck, he just beats the shit out of him straight away. Clobbers him back outside the ring, and Paul Bear is distracting the referee so that Kane can throw the ring steps directly at Mick's head. The nonchalance, like. which he picks them up. Just picks them up and know. tosses them into his face. Like He
0: really seemed like Michael Myers in Halloween Influence was, was palpable in yep. this one. And I love that you could just hear Bear cackling in the background as well, like when he was doing stuff.
1: And yeah, the, the whole like horror movie villain thing is really amped up in the build to this. One of the things they had Mick do was Mick came out with this big thing thick metal pipe. Yeah. And he bonked Kane on the head of it and the pipe wrapped around Kane's head <laughs> and he didn't budge like.
0: He still sat up like The Undertaker, which yeah. is fantastic. Now it's definitely been going monster movie vibes to this. I like that they use like it was all stuff in the you know, around the wrestling ring. It wasn't like they brought out loads of silly gimmicks or mm. they went to the magic straight away. No, no. He's got magical phantasm to him, but the fact that he's a physical threat is the main thing about him. Yeah, mm. you
2: can really see the Michael Myers influence. I'd say more so in this match than he do later on down the line. I think. Yeah, it, it yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. But I think he's not he's not like selling. You don't want him to here. No, it's you know? it's
1: like it's like you say, Michael Myers or the Terminator or something where it's just literally he shrugs everything off and keeps getting back up again. Kane knocks Mick down several times in the ring and Mick starts hulking up by pulling his hair out and screaming and Kane just fucking big boots him. Like, it's nothing Mick can do is effective. I love when Kane was thrown into the steps. Like, he took, he did
0: take a few, like, I thought, oh, he's not gonna, like, sell much, but I didn't assume him that he would take some sick kind of
1: bumps when he gets kind of face-planted into to, those stairs. Later on in the match, he will start taking some bigger bumps yeah. like, and I'm actually that, going down. And
2: that face into the stairs is like, JR makes notice of it saying, because Kane sort of for the first time since he's debuted, has to take pause for a second. Mm. So, like, JR's like, you know, this is the first time he's shown any form of of being human, as it were. Yeah.
1: It's more like he's shocked as to what's happened as opposed to yeah. he's been hurt. That's or anything, it. It's you know? not like he does big damage or anything. But anyway, you're getting a bit ahead of yourselves here, oh. folks, because before we get there, we've got to have the debut of Kane. Throwing Mankind in the corner, baby. Just like his
3: brother. Yeah, getting right in there.
1: And baby, we're going to have a Kane special grunt of the night right here. It's a classic. We've never really taken the time to appreciate it before. Kane hitting Mankind with the...
3: Mankind and... it's good to know
0: that he was grunting from from the get go from day one baby debut
1: match since day one (laughs) he takes a page out of the truth commission's book and hits a big sidewalk slam onto Mick Foley Mick drops Kane face folks into the steps like you say and he manages to get some punches in and he blasts him in the face with a chair (laughs) do you know what Jr. said after the chair shot? To the heads.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: He went, Kaboom! <laughs> Which is like, just below who's your daddy is. Like, he shoots, he don't, scores. Don't say that. Kaboom! Do
3: it again!
1: <laughs> he hits him right in the fucking face with the chair and Kane just rolls into the ring and stands back up again. Like, nothing works. Paul, driver to Kane in the ring. Mandible claw to Uncle Paul, who goes cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great sell. Kane sits back up after the pile driver, charges over to Mick, and he does this incredible... This, you know, we've seen it before now, where you do the choke push Push. instead of a choke slam. This is the spot of the whole night, I think. This Mick Foley shows you why people would attempt to do this in the future, because he makes it look amazing. Mick's on the apron on the outside of the ring, Kane comes over, does this big choke throw... And Mick goes sailing right through like the It's like he's made of paper. table. He flies so far it's off. It's like
0: of anyone Michaels and him had that match at Mind Games where he he similarly he flips him off the, yeah. the apron and foley does the bit it's kinda of like that old plunge he used to take, except he lands head first into, into the table. But like Tito Santana and Carlos Carrera, they're fucking
1: KO'd by this. Yeah. Like
0: it is Devastating what happens here. Mick
1: does it in a way that makes it look like it was Kane that threw him. Like, even though it's, like, blatantly phony, it still looks like Kane was crazy strong and threw him that far. He
0: takes four of those, like, once per match bumps. Yeah. You know, you'll do that once, or you'll do the chair shot, or you'll do,
1: like, the stair spot. Not all of them, but that's how much he wants to put over Kane. They brawl over to the ramp. Mick gives him a low blow and DDTs Kane on the concrete. So, like you say, it's like yeah it's his debut match and he's a monster but he is taking these big scary bumps and doing things mm-hmm. where it's like well that should have killed him by now it's just the
2: fact that he keeps getting that's
1: up. it he keeps oh, setting up so fucking good mick hits the flying elbow off the apron yeah you didn't need to be doing that as well mick the like... jr
0: was getting excited though he was talking about cactus jack who you mm-hmm. know a bit of a mid-career crisis for the faces of foley here we'll be seeing a lot of
1: change in the coming months kane's on the floor at this point on the outside mick climbs up to the top turnbuckle Kane sits up and then does a fucking Brock Lesnar leap yes! onto the apron. He just fucking jumps right yeah. up. The- I didn't know Kane could do that. I, it,
0: it, obviously, he was told to stop that. Yeah. Because it's like, it's too much. <laughs> yeah,
1: a bit too cool, that. But... Because you can't do anything so impressive that it's like, well, his, his brother can't do that. Mm.
0: You know? So I guess Kane has to dial it back a little bit, I but guess. He,
1: he Lesnar leaps right onto the apron and then throws Mick from the top rope right to the fucking floor on the outside. Another big, brutal bump. Kane stands in the ring and watches Mick slowly crawl in and Mick's just like climbing in and then crawling up Kane's body like, come on, buddy. Uh... And he gets a big fucking dirty tombstone piledriver. Oh! One, two, three. Kane looked fucking amazing. To me, that was just right. Like, yeah. it could have been boring and it could have been a lot more just clobbering. But it was just the right amount of Kane looking horrible, Mick still getting in enough licks to show mm. you that Mick can go as well, and he's still threatening. Yeah. But nothing he could do was anywhere near enough to put Kane down.
0: It was really impressive as a match fitting into the the story. I think if you just watch this match randomly, you know, out of the blue, it, it might be almost a little confusing, I guess, that it has this kind of different pace to it than a lot of mm. Kane or Mankai matches would have. But in terms of like following up on Bad Blood. And That's that all, all that we had months and months and months of hype going all the way back to like WrestleMania thirteen basically about this guy Kane who's coming and he's gonna be on like anything you see and then like yeah, they pulled it off. Like this is this is probably one of the most successful like concept from like paper to he does a run in and right now we're having an actual the match, match yeah.
1: you know? That's it. I think that's the only reason why it's so good to me. If this was any other Mankind and Kane, I'd say, eh, it's okay. The fact that this is the debut of Kane and this is Kane's first ever match, mm. it was fucking pitch perfect, I thought.
0: And credit to Mick Foley as well, who is very much could be thrown into that Mr. Distant number four number five on the yep. roster in terms of importance. And because they have this setup, where, you know, say whatever you will about Russo and the writing at the time... There's at least an avenue for performers to make sense of their story mm-hmm. and then try and tell it because you could easily go here. Hey, he has been, you know, he's dude love, you know, now yeah. he's mankind again for no, you I mean not to say for no reason, but like they're thrown around back and forth almost. You could say taking it for granted and the fact that he's able to thread this needle through and make you know all the stuff we get with cactus Jack coming yep. back in him and Chainsaw Charlie and that pivoting into. You know, dude love is the corporate guy and mankind is the corporate guy. You know, he wasn't given a typical jigsaw piece to put it all together. And he's fucking found a way. And it doesn't seem forced that mankind is here in this role now. It feels natural. Even though if you try to do this in a modern time, like how many people when they wrestled against the fiend, for instance, just felt like, well, they're spinning their wheels now. Yeah. Because they don't have the latitude to explain why. Finn Balor, Seth Rollins is different now or has yeah. changed because that's not how that company works Tactics anymore. don't
1: grow anymore. Like. Yeah,
0: this was phenomenal stuff. No, it was a really good match. Even more phenomenal, the French announcer going, Cain.
4: <laughs>
0: awesome, scary stuff. Folks, send us your cable bills and we'll give you a free dog tag. Cool. I always thought, you know, would that be a little bit more precious about dog tags in America and all that? Like, you know, no, no. anyone can have a dog tag. Michael Cole's backstage with Sergeant Slaughter. Is this how he got his dog tag? He sent his <laughs> fucking cable bill away. Like. <laughs> now, this was truly something that I was not prepared to see on this no. pay-per-view. Backstage with Sergeant Slaughter, being interviewed by Michael Cole, and they're joined by, quite frankly, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the owner here of the World Wrestling Federation, and I have a vested interest in the outcome of tonight's match. they just have mentioned it a few times down in commentary here and there. We've been trying to do this match for ages, folks, yep. but you know, drama, backstage politics, all this other stuff that you've not been seeing on T V, it's it's meant that it's it's been really hard to do. And we get one question, which is Vince, who's gonna win? And he looks right at the camera, and he's like, I don't
2: know. The- Se- a second of a little smile and mm. he stops on. like just a little wrinkle there
1: That's the, the balls on this guy to put himself in this segment knowing full well that he's going to screw Brett later tonight like. he knows already and I the
0: yes. thing, the, the closest I could tell myself in terms of if, if there is any conspiracy in, in Montreal or any, anything like ah they you know, they knew ages and ages ago we've obviously talked about that their narrative of how it went down is not how it went down in terms of when Vince McMahon was revealed as the owner and, mm. and this that and the other but, like, very much, even if he's not articulated as much, Vince McMahon knows that he's a performer now and he knows that he's a character. Yeah. And whether Brett's with the company or not, Vince McMahon, like, if Brett was in the company, it would have been Brett and Vince as the gimmick. Like, that's mm-hmm. what it would have been. Vince is all geared up to be a character now. For weeks. For weeks, he has been. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, Russo and Cornette and Jim Ross and Bruce Prichard and all the Brain Trust know that and are running with that, but Vince here seemed like he was very comfortable in this role
1: yeah I think what we can say for sure is that if the screw job didn't happen Mr McMahon still would have become a character Yeah, yes. didn't take the screw job for that to happen no that was that was that inevitable. was just the
2: the, yeah, the the defining thing that said oh this is the perfect opportunity another yeah. opportunity would have come up
0: yes yeah easily I mean sure we were talking about it like months ago honestly it, you know they were doing the, the hockey brawl between you know, Vince and Brett were having a fist fight on yep. Raw like, Austin you know.
1: stunned Vince like a month mm. or two ago already like these things have already been happening since happened. Coming up next the Nation of Domination uh, uh, uh. That's the
0: Nation de Dominacion. <laughs> they have lots of determination as well and they're taking on the Legion of Doom 4.0 Nation of Domination just so we're all uh, on, on board here we all know who's, who's who at the moment. We've got Farouk Rocky Maivia Kama Mustafa and a now definitely named and very much featured D'Lo Brown. Yay. And on LOD 4.0 we've got Hawk animal ken shamrock and the returning ahmed johnson here he is ahmed's return was the shittest thing <sighs> i've ever seen he comes back right mm-hmm. and he's like i'm back and you know he, he is not come to get revenge on the biker like or Mike, or no. whatever man he wants to get revenge of the nation of domination who beat the shit out of him on his yep. return okay fair enough so we had him challenging Owen Hart for the Intercontinental title mm-hmm. and that ended up with him being stunned by Austin mm-hmm. and getting beat up. Then he comes out the next week and he's like, I want Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm, I want this supposed badass. And the crowd are like booing Ahmed at this yep. point. And then Kane comes out and he kills him then as well. Yep. He's been beaten pillar to post by Kane, Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Nation of Domination. And yeah, Ahmed Johnson we were saying that he was next in line a couple
1: of episodes back. Yeah. So sad. He was one of the guys, that when we started season four, he was right up at the top of like all the potential in the world. He had that great feud of the nation, then he joined the nation, then he got kicked out of the nation, then he then got, got injured. injured, then he came back, and then he got beat up by fucking everybody. Yeah. Like.
0: It's just so sad. He'll be around until, I think, like January thereabouts. He gets injured again, but mm. it's like, they really, really, it's almost like they don't have to tell him that your days are numbered it's almost like they just put him out there and it seems to fall apart on its own like they've given him just enough tools to make him seem like a fucking idiot like honestly I'm a big Ahmed fan but I watch those shows and I go what a fucking gobshite he is Mm -hmm, he seems like such a dum-dum oh god we gotta talk about the Nation of Domination yeah um, please this is what I thought Gang War was all about folks and it is one really really stands out but the idea was that Nation were feuding with, you know, obviously members of the Leisure Doom, uh-huh. DOA, Truth Commission, all this Gang of War stuff is all mixed up. And the Heart Foundation, are obviously, a faction as well. And Degeneration generation X are a faction. And to get to Heart Foundation, DX went into the Nation of Domination's locker room. Yep. They filled it full of racist graffiti. And then they blamed the Heart Foundation... And instead of Brett coming out being like, this is bullshit, we never said, come on, that's ridiculous, they had Brett come out and be like, well, maybe I will fight the Nation of Domination next week. And it was like surprisingly long in the tooth until it took them to say,
1: no, 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 it was DX did it yeah. trying to frame the Heart Foundation. That's it. He does try and clear their name and say, like, we come from a country where racism doesn't exist, lol. And try and make <laughs> out, like, it couldn't have been us at all. Homophobia, yes. Racism, no. Never, never. No racism. Our Prime Minister yeah. does blackface and it's just for a laugh. There's no racism involved at all. Can we, can
0: we talk about some of the... Graffiti that they did On the wall DX Do you remember any of the ones no. That they had Oh it was really like, there oh, was... it was
1: Uncle Tom Written there Or something It There was like Uncle that.
0: Tom There was like Go Home They had drawn some like Kind of crude little caricatures Of like a black guy With an afro They had written like References to fried chicken
1: It's, it's the most
0: shocking stuff We've had so far like, I'm sure like... there was A few iterations of that Before they ended on The one they thought They could get away with They had Malcolm X With an X through it So it was like Malcolm Asterisk <laughs> like you know, <laughs> that, like that—that that was just like so fucking lame. But like the fact that they did and they made like the nation of domination, they they threw come out and cut this passionate promo he's like you see like that's exactly what the fuck we've Wait been talking to Vince talking the man's about. face saying he...
1: WWF is racist you run a racist business and Vince business. was like it's not racist shut up like. Yeah.
0: and Vince is adamant this is not a racist company yeah. now like, we'll find out who did this but it's you need shocking. to shut up Farouk
1: and this is it's. it's been weeks since there's been any like Farouk's been playing the race card that stuff all died down and yeah. then suddenly one week it's like bam race issues this is the number one thing we're talking about this week and
0: Nation Domination are pretty much spinning their wheels other Yes. yeah so. yeah it, it, i was
1: really surprised they brought this out of nowhere and then this is literally one of the most shocking things i've ever seen on raw i couldn't believe this dx appear on the titantron to reiterate that no no it was the heart foundation promised they were the ones that did it And he starts referring to Bret Hart as the Grand Wizard of the Hart Foundation. Saying that Bret's running around there with all of his little KKK buddies. And then Triple H goes, and then yeah, get this. Nation of domination. When the Hart Foundation were in there spray painting graffiti and trash in your locker room. They were using the N word. That's right. The N word so It's well right. like to
0: the point, like it's not just they're saying that, like they're saying that, and they're like high fiving
1: and giggling. It's and like, laughing. oh, Degeneration generation X, when will you stop, you rascals? I
0: almost would have rathered if they were just straight up and it's like, yeah, the GOA have done this, they're racist, or the truth keepers have are done racist. This, <laughs> racist. <laughs> yeah. But instead the fact that they're like, nah no, no it's just DX student for yucks and yep. like yeah. and they're like, Oh, those juveniles like,
1: Epic eh. prank, bro. Uh, it was right. shocking. That's bad.
0: I'll tell you what's shocking as well is the state that Hawk is in in this promo, oh. folks. Big fan of Road Warrior Hawk here on the, on the old mm. podcast. And, you know, we, we, we've we joked about the fact that he's, you know, he's been wrestling long since he shouldn't be wrestling. Lloyd's mm. a London policy paying out. He's going to be in tag matches. But we've obviously passed the point from him being like, ah, I would come back and do a few matches to Like, he's he's hurt, like, mm. it feels like. And he's obviously taken stuff because his promo, he was... It's a bit slurred. He was one eye open, if that, Billy, I would say. Well, Tell them, Hawk. Seems to
3: me, it seems to me, that there's a lot of criminal elements amongst the WWF. Well, we are the sergeants of arms, and we're going to get rid of the riffraff, starting with a nation of domination. When we get done with you, you'll all be down, face out in a pool of blood, hoping you got a friend to tip you on your back so you don't drown in your own blood.
1: Well, what I don't get is that like, we talked about this at Bad Blood, that when a, f- a few weeks before Pillman passed away, there was an incident where Hawk was passed out on a plane yeah. and no one could wake him up. And so they were like, let's start doing drug testing and bringing in some sort of regulation for the drug taking that's going on. Mm. Yeah. What's going on then? No, it, are, of- are, you, are you doing anything about it? Because Hawk seems fucked up. Like- but I like,
0: think it's, it's always the way with these things, you know, and to an extent, it'll always be like this in wrestling because there'll be people who'll be able to like, who are in, in favor with an office yeah, person yeah. or there's people who get the, you know, the, the lowdown of when there's going to be testing and all that. Mm-hmm. And simply put, in wrestling in the late 90s, if someone didn't want to be tested and they were a big enough star, they didn't get tested. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Perry Siren's getting away with not being tested in WCW and ECW or whatever. You know, it's just the way it is at the moment. And it's really sad because it's to the detriment of all. When I saw that promo, I was like, He'll be the first man eliminated, and he was. Mm-hmm. And it was just sad because he was so low energy, and like Ken Shamrock had more had more pep in his promo, you know. And that's, that's not really saying a lot. That's not it? saying a lot, yeah. you know. And them referring to the Nation Domination as being riffraff and criminal elements. The criminal uh... elements. Jesus. Ken Shamrock coming out, massive pop. Jim Ross, a bit of hyperbole. The dominant
1: force for years to come in the World Wrestling Federation. Oh, I mean, you can't blame him for feeling that way at the time. He's got so much potential. And I'll
0: never blame Ken Shamrock for you know his being as weird about his position and how he wants to be remembered, because they obviously told him this yeah. many, many times, yeah. you know? Ahmed Johnson coming out, looking like a badass. King, I don't know if Ahmed's ready. This man has a lacerated kidney and a bust-up hand. Jesus. Don't know. no, 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 no. Mm. Fucking hell. And the L.O.G. are spikeless here tonight. Yeah. Because there was no good pesky Outlaws. They've been uh, stealing all the bits and bobs. And as well as hats, they've got mm. shoulder pads
1: as well. That should be the gimmick. The Outlaws come out wearing all the accoutrements they've nicked. Yeah. And they just sort of like make their own outfits from other people's Basically just bits. Jericho's
0: gimmick in WCW at the same time. I suppose, yeah. D'o starts off with Road Warrior Hawk. I think D'Lo is great. He does everything he can to make Hawk seem like, you know... Hawk, I guess. But.
2: A snug, a very snug pile driver, and Hawk hmm. just like wake up, like. and then Hawk just stands up immediately, like yeah. complete no sell.
3: I'm
0: Oh <laughs> uh, God, we got to tag into Rocky. My Via hits the rock bottom pretty much immediately on Uranagi. Hawk. Sorry, the Urnagi, the mm-hmm. iconic Urnagi. And, yeah, out of there, pretty much as quickly as I assumed him to be. Yeah. It is a sad, sad state of affairs, and that company should be ashamed of themselves. Honestly. Not not just for, like, whatever. People have personal problems. You know, we were doing William Regal's book report and all mm, that, mm. and, you know, people got personal problems. There was a route, I guess, to be saved in WWF if they wanted to. It's just putting them out there like that. Yeah. But
2: the fact that it's like, this is going to go on for so long. It is. It's, it's months and months and months away when he falls off the Titan Tron. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. The this is going like summer, on. Like... Yeah, this is going on for ages now. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I'm not looking forward to watching this slow downward
1: spiral of Hawkeye. Yeah, I like... don't know how much we'll get of it because if you remember when we the first episode we did, WrestleMania fourteen, that was like the big comeback of the LOD. So they're gonna have to go away yeah, for a little bit yeah. at least. Oh,
0: Jesus. Ahmed gets worked over as King slowly muses on why he's like not as popular as he once was. He's like, oh. Remember a few months ago, this guy was like intercontinental champion, you thought he was great, everyone loved him, and now it's like, well, we ain't got that. He you oh know, he did his big comeback and he got beat down again. It's like he's got nothing going for him, Jim Ross. Like, Stop it! it! <laughs>
1: There's a bit here, this is our second half of the Grunt of the Night. <laughs> One hour thirty-eight, thirty-three. Dilo is hitting Ahmed over and over again, and Ahmed's just no selling and just staring at him. And he keeps hitting him and hitting him, and eventually Ahmed hits him back, and Dilo just goes,
4: Oh God! (laughs) (laughs) Oh God! (laughs) Oh God!
1: (laughs) Ahmed reverses
0: the Dominator he lands flat in his fucking ass (laughs) and then he hits Farouk with the Pearl River Plunge ah your stock may be low Ahmed but Farouk's is somehow even lower
2: what the fuck Farouk's
0: the
1: first one to get eliminated from the nation How did that happen?
0: Right, lads, if anything ever happens to me, just promise me you're not going to do me by having Ahmed Johnson give me a front facing Falcon Arrow.
1: Oh, Jesus. Not
0: that, please. Never, ever, ever. We have Farouk holding down Ahmed's foot and, like, ah, we'll be underwhelming together. And he gets pinned by D.O. Brown, who probably gets more shine than anyone in this match
1: D'Lo comes off insanely good in this match yeah. there's a bit where Shamrock gets tagged in and he's doing his fists out like fighter street pose street fighter pose yeah. and then Dilo like mockingly starts doing it back like oh I can do that too and then Dilo beats him up <laughs>
4: <laughs> it doesn't make any sense
0: at one hour 43 and 8 seconds we have what could best be described as a Mysterion attack and a bill. Sonar block there What? d hitting the ropes And he goes
4: Oh, oh yeah. yeah
1: And Jim Ross like I don't know what happened But yeah. I'm sorry folks My groan tube Slipped out of my pocket there
4: Oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always feel
0: a bit Self conscious about Early episodes of a show Having such lower Audio quality mm. But God damn, WB! You were a million-dollar company at the, yeah. just about a million-dollar company at the time. Mm. The audio on some of these shows—like, would you not go and clean it up a little bit? Mm.
2: Soundman Kevin Dunn gets a shout out here as well. Yeah, <laughs> named <laughs> and shamed. Yeah, and Ke- it looks like Kevin Dunn's messing with things. Uh oh.
0: We got Animal come in with a drop kick, very impressive, and a roll up. He eliminates the fighting machine Kama. And it's so impressive that it's like the only move Animal does for the rest of the match. Like To to dissociate himself from Hawk. Look what I can do. Drop kicks. And at this point, we've had a lot of the heavy hitters out. It slows pretty much right down here. It it takes a a big deep breath, this one. D'Lo Brown, though, with some of the offense you won't be seeing in WWF for many years to come. The springboard moonsault. He Mm -hmm. goes from one rope to the next. Like, that's... You know, stuff you, you see in modern times, you'd be taking your breath away. It's very impressive what he was doing.
1: Yeah, he's phenomenal. Like, he's in that same category of Savio Vega, I think, of, like, just grossly underlooked. Yeah. But this really strong, solid mid-carder doing something that's mm. not really being done at all in the rest of the card. New Age Outlaws come out to literally
0: no reaction at all. Like, not not no, a no, peep for them coming out. And they do the coke spot where they get the powder, and they throw it all over animals' back and shoulders... And Jim Ross keeps calling Billy Gunn, Billy Badass. Billy Badass. Animal gets counted out and eliminated. And we got D'Lo in there with Ken Shamrock. And an odd line from King. This is wrestling. You don't win by tap out. And Jared goes, the hell
3: you say? <laughs> yeah, what are you wondering
0: about? <laughs> it's 97, man. Taz has already innovated this. Shamrock, he's not quite in the zone, but he's zone adjacent. I would say at this yeah. point, yeah. He gets Dilo in the ankle lock, taps him out pretty much straight away. The Rock in with the chair, and I got—I actually got goosebumps when Rock and Ken were in there because I'm like, this is the magic.
1: Those two. This is yeah. the stuff. Yes, please. Well, I got goosebumps for the wrong reason though, because the exact finish we had earlier with Vader was like where Vader had just eliminated someone, and then it's like bell shot one, two, three. Ah, oh, he lost. Ken just eliminated someone, and then The Rock comes in, chair shot. Oh, no, they're just reusing the finish, but no, Ken kicks out. Ken kicks out. And that's a good swerve. I like them repeating a finish from earlier in the night to make you think it's about to go down that way. Yeah, Ken comes off really well here. Really we have well. a bunch
2: of kickouts. We've got a chair shot, a DDT, a bend the people's elbow, mm-hmm. one after the other, and he kicks out each time. Yeah. I mean, the no machines. one else
0: is getting that other than... I mean, on the face side, I mean, Kane obviously is getting yeah. it, but Shamrock... It does feel, though, with shock it's been a little bit stop and start. Like, Mm. they've almost, like... The fact that they they had a month here now where they're not sure about Steve Austin and it felt like, is Ken going to step up? And they didn't pull the trigger the whole way because they're not sure... If there's going to be a spot for him or not. That's it.
1: I feel like if it weren't for Brett and Sean, guys like Ken and maybe Farouk would have got more of a look in, in the main event scene. Like, but well, There's just too much drama going on there. The
0: last match Brett had on Raw before Survivor Series was he defended the belt against Ken. And, yep. Ken, and Ken had him beat. So Jim Ross keeps saying, this man should be WWE yep. champion right now. The future of the company. It's so weird to hear Ken get these monikers.
1: 97, this man should have been WWF champion.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, he made events the next pay-per-view. So obviously... Ooh. Let's just bear that in mind. See what happens. See what happens. Ken unleashes the big scream. The anchor lock. He runs. He screams. The fucking man that he is. He makes the rock tap out in no time. This was fucking amazing. Imma- this was not full shamrock. But this was the most he had ever been in the zone. This was a little yeah. bit more than SummerSlam 97. Where he got in the dog food zone. Yep. But here he's, he's almost in that king of the ring zone. And Jim Ross... Just signs us off with this match
1: saying, he may be leading the way for us before you know it, folks. I can't help but agree with him, the way yeah. the, the amount of potential he has here going off of that finish. Yeah. I like this is something that I think that maybe they tweaked the formula and took away from it later on in Ken's career. But the way they do it here of like Ken wrestles as a man, just a regular wrestler throughout the whole match, and then right at the end, something happens that pisses him off. Then he snaps and boom, the match is over immediately after yeah. that. Like, I feel like the further we get in his career, it's more like he's just crazy he's all guy, the time. Yeah, yeah. He's always screaming. It's, it's like...
2: Flander, Flanderserization, isn't it? Flanderserization. You know, like in The Simpsons, where like, they, they, like Flanders just became just the catchphrase. Yeah, Gee, That's you lose the it down, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have nuance for a few more months at the very least with Ken Shamrock. Mm. We've got main event you know title picture for him and then he's getting locked into that feud with with the rock mm-hmm. i am very excited for what comes from this he looked like a beast in this match i think the match it was better than i thought it would be you know considering there's a lot of like you know there was both teams were pointing at each other going, You got the duds! Yeah. Right? But in spite of that, I thought D'Lo acquitted himself very well. Yeah. And you know, I thought that uh Ken Shamrock looked like the goddamn man here.
1: And it was the fourth Survivor Series match of the night as well. Four to, to, to be, times the charm. To be man. remotely entertaining when you're yeah. the fourth one is a hell of an achievement. And
2: them bit all being practically next to each other. Yeah. Hey, it's time for a
0: Montreal-sized caption contest. After 16 months away, the Attitude Era podcast spits in the face of montreal
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is gonna be me billy and kevin and our entire extended families all beating up covid19 for an extended amount of time at wrestlemania it's what brett would have wanted adam exactly hey
0: this edition of the caption contest is brought to you by one of the longest tenured podcasts in the history of podcasts Mm. adam you and i we've been plugging away at the old podcast business with billy for for quite a few years we've been touring the podcast mind since the year dot feels like. Well, we definitely have to tip the cap in that case to that video game podcast who have been releasing a weekly video game podcast every single week. Since
1: 2007. Oh, but I was in school in 2007. That's fucked.
0: 2007, where my idea of video game bliss was wangling on my Nintendo Wii and heading over to GameTrailers.com to see what sick top 10 videos are about to drop.
1: Oh, mate, now you mention it. 07 was a good old year. We had Mario Galaxy. The the Orange Box came out that year as well, if I remember rightly. Assassin's Creed. There was like loads of big...
0: I mean, obviously. Yep,
1: yep. A lot of big heavy hitters that year. (laughs) All equal value.
0: (laughs) Well, the guys over at That Video Game Podcast, they do a weekly show and they have been doing it for over 10 years over on their website, tvgp.tv. And you can, of course, get their show wherever you get your audio. They've got over 700 episodes to their name. And it's an absolute blast because I'm someone who doesn't actually have weekly video game content in his diary that much anymore. Mm -hmm. And a podcast... Fabulous thing to listen to, to catch up on the week's news and reviews and views, but as well as that, Adam, think about heading back in time to finding out about the heady days of those E3 oh. announcements in
1: 2010. God, yeah, it's it's like the Observer almost. You've got this huge archive where you can go back to moments in history like, remember all the way back when they announced Cyberpunk 2077 and we all were really excited, thought that's going to be fun, isn't it? I can't wait to play that video game.
0: Maybe that's when they started the podcast, 2007, when Cyberpunk was initially first announced <laughs> way back in the day. And you can know these guys have got the patience of Joe, but an absolute huge thanks to the guys for sponsoring. And a big shout out to Paul, who reached out to sponsor specifically Survivor Series 1997, yeah. even though he knew there would be a potential delay.
1: And he organized this. Back in July 2020. What a saint for hanging on this whole time. I said to you when we sat down to record this, because I knew we had a sponsor lined up and they've been waiting a while, I was a little bit worried. That like, well, it's, I hope it's not like a Kickstarter for a board game or something like that and it's bloody expired. But no, it's just one of the longest running podcasts of all time. We don't have to worry about that at all.
0: Whole shed of the content there. Not just the main show, but you've got Spoiler casts, Game Club, Special Side Series. It's a fabulous time. You want to get your teeth into a, a regular, reliable kick-ass video game podcast that video game podcast tvgp.tv for any and all info and if you would like to sponsor an upcoming episode of the attitude Era podcast season four is continuing and we have many more side ventures coming out in the meanwhile hit us up on our patreon page or alternatively attitude Era podcast at gmail.com subject sponsorship adam what's the picture du jour for survivor series
1: 1997 baby we had to go with something that would sum up this pay-per-view in this incident as a whole and what better than vince mcmahon shouting in the face of bret hart while in the background and i have to say this now because a lot of people have glommed onto this in the comments in the background there is a little cameraman pointing his camera directly at the floor so keep that in mind
0: and he also has what could best be described as a cameraman's friend beside him ah uh, yes his hip.
1: he's got a little mate
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to start off over here on Facebook.com slash Attitude Era Podcast. You're home for all sorts of videos, goofs, gaffs, and otherwise. Make sure you give us a like over there. From longtime fan Jeff Maxfield, and I believe most captions will be quaking in their boots after this one. Bret Hart, at last, we see each other plain, Monsieur, Hitman. you wear a different chain. Before you say another word, McMahon, before you job me out like some bitch again, (laughs) listen to me, there is something I must do. Shawn Michaels is a dirty hyena, there is no one but me who can intercede in mercy's name. A schmoz is all I need, (laughs) I'll give up the title, I pledge my word, I'll do it on raw. You must think me mad, I've booked you across these years. Men like you never change, a man like you can never change. Oh
1: my god.
0: Thank you very much, Jeff Maxfield, for making my day.
1: I don't even know if we've ever publicly talked about this, but we, like me, you, Alice, Joe, our partners, have such a deep love for Les Mis, but not Les Mis just Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe singing yeah. at each other like just that bit alone I think what
0: sums up our love of Les Mis perfectly is that it's now a tradition in our house around Christmas that we all meet up and watch the first 70 minutes of Les Mis
3: the director's cut yeah.
1: <laughs> as soon as Eddie Redmayne shows up baby I'm checking
4: out <laughs>
1: and on that note as well Jacob Dickens here the
0: WWE production of Les Miserables hit a bit of a snag when Javins told Bret Hart he'd already cast <laughs> a part
1: of Sean Val Sean
4: <laughs> stop
1: it now
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Chris Gannon here on Twitter where you can find us at
3: AEPodcast hey Brett you look like you have something to say do you well yes I certainly do I have to go now I tapped
1: out to Sean's sharpshooter Note, Brett died on his way to WCW. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> Alex Albrecht here. Ooh, deep cut. What do you mean you're going to take 16 months off during a pandemic? What do you expect me to put in the programming? Episodes about the last ride in Eugene? That'll never draw. <laughs> and fun fact, those episodes were listened to by no one. And nope, if you nobody. listen
1: to it, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah. Welcome back to the AE podcast, everybody. <laughs>
3: One here from Guy Incognito. God damn it, Brett. It's WrestleMania, whatever the hell it is. Either 16 or 17. Listen to those fans out there chanting Brett screwed Brett. Quite frankly, they're right. Now you go and you do the job right now to teeny tiny Shawn Michaels or Hulk Hogan's going to trash you and shoot interviews. (laughs) And of course, we all know
0: how that piece of business went down. You know, that's just history, brother. That's that's all that is. Ryan Erling. Cameraman one to cameraman two. Mom and dad are fighting. Just look down slowly and walk away. Oh, bless. It's the cameramen that always suffer in these falling
1: outs. Speaking of the cameraman in the background there, here from James E. Couture. I got my blue jumpsuit and my black hand strap. I'll shake my camera to try and hide missed contact. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is too many syllables there. <laughs> Too many for
0: me, too many for Honky.
1: I'm just a camera man, he's a cameraman. I'm a cameraman,
3: he's a cameraman.
1: I'm a cameraman. The zooms and direction are bad. <laughs> and don't get me started on the fucking white balance, yeah?
3: <laughs> I didn't know,
0: right? This is for true fact. I didn't even know what white balance was until I met Adam Bibolo. i ruined, ruined wrestling for you. All wrestling, mm-hmm. especially indie wrestling. <laughs> Brandy Jeffries here. Wait. What the fuck did you just say about Stu, what he did with frying eggs? The cameraman rushed to the back of the restroom before they're sick everywhere. Lovely, nice reminder there. Toxoplasmosis, it's a real threat. Wash your hands when handling cat feces, if you must.
1: Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast here with... Let me rephrase it again, Vince. Have I got... I'll just ask the question. Do I get to keep the belt? No. Right, thank you. Pat Patterson walked past. Ah, uh, let him keep the belt, you swine. Yeah, let me keep the belt, you shit. I was about to come in here saying, oh, finally, we got a Simpsons podcast making a
0: Simpsons reference. Ah, uh-uh, baby. Simpsons podcast making an Alan Partridge reference. <laughs> I need an Alan Partridge podcast making a Simpsons reference or I won't be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> Matthew Shaggy Petit here. Damn it, Brett, your contract ran out three weeks ago. Will you please leave?
3: Oh Damn it,
1: leave. (laughs) Simpsons- oh, okay. You want to get a Simpsons one from a Simpsons account? Simpsons wrestling memes here. Here we go. I'm a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big (laughs) butt and my butt smells and I like to kiss my own butt. (laughs) Mr. Motherfucking Fresh here with a beautiful reference to a certain book that we looked at recently on Patreon. It was at that moment that the cameraman looked at Vince, took off his hat and wig to reveal the beautiful, bold head of Stone Cold Steve Austin.
0: (laughs) John Rhodes here. Vince wasn't happy that the world's smallest cameraman was filming Brett's dick for the new documentary, Beyond the Sack.
1: Come on. (laughs) Matt McKnight here with one short and sweet.
3: You stole fizzy lifting drinks, pal.
1: Oh, I like this one here.
0: This this actually, I think, might, uh, if anything, be a premonition. I say it's a premonition because then it ties us into having to do it. Oh. Nathan Rothwell here. No, Brad, you need to look madder like this. Remember, these N64 games only have enough memory for one face, so you got to make a count, pal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, one here from Tom Hemmings. You're going to like
3: this. I ask only for the strength to defend my company. If you would but lend me the WWF title. <laughs> no. Why do you recoil? I'm no thief. You are not yourself. What chance do you think you will have? They'll they'll hire you, they'll take the title, and you will beg for death before the end. (laughs) You fool, it is not yours by unhappy chance. It might have been Sean's. It should be Sean's. Give it to me, give me the title. Brett walks away. I see your mind. You will take the title to WCW. You will betray us. You'll go to your death and the death of us all. Curse you. Curse you and your Canadians. Vince falls over. Brett. Brett. What have I done? (laughs) Brett, please. Brett. (laughs) Brett. Brett. You
0: deserve to be screwed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but the image of Vince McMahon saying, I see your mind Uh. is going to be giving me some uh, sleepless nights tonight. Alexander Votta, when is the AE podcast finally going to do Survivor Series and cover the
3: Montreal screw job, dammit? <laughs> Wait, the Montreal what? Oh, <laughs> oh he doesn't know.
1: Oh.
3: <laughs> oh, here's a deep
1: cut for the, the serious fans. Yes, please. From Mike Tyson here on Twitter, hoping everyone is distracted by Vincent Brett, Adam Bibelow sneaks his equipment he forgot to take back into the Lincoln Uni Media Department. <laughs> there I am with the camera there.
0: There you are. You thought you could get away with it. He's got your fucking damn number. That's probably his Lincoln Media is is (laughs) rigging you up right there. They're calling
1: you out. Power of Mike here, but my contract says Creative Control,
3: no need to drop the title. Ah, they got this all screwed up. It should say, Creative Control, no need to drop the title. (laughs) Luke Dunn.
0: And Incense Vince McMahon asks Bret Hart when the Survivor Series 97 episode of the A podcast will be released. Unable to think of any reason for a delay. <laughs> I just don't get why they haven't done it. What's going on? Imagine living such a treasured existence that the last 16 months had zero impact on you <laughs> whatsoever. Oh, good one here. Sean Harrison. Who gives a fucking shit how long a scene is, Brett? Meanwhile, we see what the cameramen are filming, and it's from Twin Peaks to the Return. They're filming this up uh, sequence then. Beautiful.
1: <laughs> Very straightforward one here from Joey Edsel. Uh are, are we good? No, we are not good. Oh, some screw job this was.
0: <laughs> That's the thing which Brett hated the most is how, he, like, just disappointing a screw job it was yeah. Not a particularly great screw job it was not it was no, like wendy richter or anything like that you know well that's gonna do it for the caption contest thank you for the hundreds brackets exclamation mark of entries we had over on the twitter and on the facebook make sure you give us a follow and a like for further caption contests and if you are just joining us back for the first time in forever a little announcement that may have slipped by you over on our auxiliary channel Podcrabs, we have launched a new podcast where Adam, myself, and Joe we're doing it's raw Kitchen Nightmares podcast. There are seven or eight episodes available now, where we're going back and looking at the glory days of Kitchen Nightmares US. Make sure you give that a little bit of a check out if you want some reality TV in your diet.
1: It's fucking stinking.
0: <laughs> but for now, let's head on back to Montreal where a screwin's transpiring. Whoa. We got a plug for next month's pay-per-view. It's Degeneration X. Now, almost no mention or chat of DX at all here tonight, no. folks. And I kind of feel like I maybe want to save the big DX chat until the DX pay-per-view just because... I'm almost very shocked at how there's no bearing on DX
1: on tonight at all,
4: even though it's
0: been an insufferable month, let's just say. Yeah,
1: Raw has been nothing but the DX show, but it feels like this pay-per-view is like, right, we need to get Brett and Sean's whole business wrapped up with, and then we can get into DX country next time. So I think, yeah, maybe save the chat till next month. Because
0: the Shawn Michaels you see in the video package ain't the Shawn Michaels who's been on TV the last few weeks.
1: Mm. He's been nude more often than not. And nothing says anti-establishment, new, cool faction than getting a pay-per-view of your own next yeah. month. That's what oh, the heel God. rock would do next
0: year. Isn't it yeah. like NWO are going to be getting sold out over yeah. on the other show? I mean, honestly, it's something I really want to kind of maybe look at a little bit closer if we ever look at NWO stuff is just... You know, is it derivative like no one would ever dare say on a WWE documentary is DX a little bit derivative of the NWO a little bit a little bit, a little bit. I mean, it's fucking derivative of the Heart Foundation as
1: far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned so many things it's derivative of it's
0: like they saw Brian Pillman
1: having fun they're like I want to do that yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> JR and King have a little chat about the next match and they preface it by going well King you and I have both received the Stone Cold Stunner from Steve Austin <laughs> he's not a nice guy it is the rematch of rematches Stone Cold Steve Austin has got hunting season on his mind. And goddamn, son, I ain't drinking no IPA. I ain't going after no bucks. I'm fixing to shoot Owen Hart.
3: <laughs> Close to the end of the match, when uh, Owen Hart dumped me on my head, you figure I weigh 245, 250. Bam, you get planted in the mat. <laughs> it happens. And uh, for basically about 50 seconds, so I couldn't move my arms and my legs. And I didn't know if I ever would move again. It's pretty damn scary. So uh, Owen Hart has got hell to pay. You get dumped on your head, you get the position that I was put in, it ain't worth a damn. And I'm I'm just a a little bit off. Well, I'm not a little bit off. I'm a whole lot off. Austin proved his legacy by rising this night. When you do what he did to me, you know, if it's my last step in life, you can damn well bet he's going to get the kicked out of you one way or the other. Here comes that rattlesnake! This belt and myself are going into Canada at the Survivor Series against you, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And believe me, this belt is going to stay where it belongs. On November 9th, it ain't a wrestling match. It's payback time for Owen Hart. When you're looking up from the mat with your neck broken in half, and believe me, this belt is going to stay in Canada where it belongs. You American people don't deserve to see me a champion of my caliber. At Survivor Series, will anyone be able to stand up? In the end,
0: the package puts over Steve Austin's resilience and also makes him seem like way more human than ever
1: before. It's like a sort of a rundown of all the times that Austin has worked, hurt, or wrestled with an injury. Mm. I didn't know he was injured at King of the Ring '96. He yeah, had like a torn mouth or something. They
0: showed, yeah, he had to get his stitches in his lower lip, and they showed like a, like Steve Austin beat you know his rivals even with having you know a bust up mouth, and it's him going <laughs> <laughs> like he's got a mouthful of chew or something like that. <laughs> well, that
2: bust up mouth's not really something that's gonna stop you. You can what? throw a punch with a yeah. bust up mouth, can
0: sixteen stitches in his tongue. Like leave it. out ah, like, Come she- on. <laughs> rice yeah okay there we go austin is a resilient man it's
1: okay oh in the package we get i didn't know this was like a recurring thing for austin <laughs> we saw this in like 99 2000 where he was hunting triple h by shooting yeah. pumpkins with his photo on it here he's firing an arrow into a face of owen Hart that has been stuck onto a horse's ass <laughs> so fucking funny the build as
0: it relates to television almost nothing like, you've, yeah. had, you've had Steve Austin interfering in matches, being chaotic, and obviously want to get his hands on Owen a little bit, and Owen has been pointing at his shirt, he, he doesn't seem as mortified to be wearing the shirt anymore. They keep saying that Owen is the real hitman, perhaps, of the World Wrestling Federation. Because he
1: broke a guy's neck.
0: Yeah, it, it's it, not going to lie, it's a bit awkward. You know, I only listened to SummerSlam the other day, and these guys obviously have got unresolved issues that never get resolved. And it probably explains why this match is so short, mm. and probably the fact as well that
1: I can't believe I'm watching this man wrestle after he broke his neck. That's what he I was, was going to say. Yeah, Billy, were you expecting to see Steve wrestling tonight?
2: No, I, like I, I was surprised just hearing that he was. He's he's been stuttering people on mm-hmm. Raw the past couple of weeks. Like it's like Cena level of of getting better yeah quickly. super quickly like,
1: they got the healing factor like. he re-
2: is he rehabbing because like Cena's like he went
0: off for six months or whatever he comes back or like, you know, he's a cyborg or whatever but steve austin's just like Maybe one week you could tell he was gone.
1: Yeah, he he was barely gone. I mean he was doing stunners almost immediately after SummerSlam. Like he mm. he has been shrugging off this injury. As we pointed out in SummerSlam,
0: his neck had been hurt before. He's this is just mm-hmm. you know, this for, for us Reston fans, this is known as this is the neck break, this is the thing that changed his career. For him, it's just another injury.
1: It's re-aggravation. You know, yeah. that's
0: it. I thought it already sucks. Yeah. So there you go. And he did, he found a second opinion mm-hmm. somehow. But he was told by his doctor. Never ever do this you know. again. Owen comes out, and he's not the Owen heart that we used to see on TV. He
1: looks nervous, but not comedy nervous. I feel mm. bad for Owen. I do. Yeah. Like this is a rough spot to be put in. Like they still have a lot of genuine unresolved stuff in real life between them.
2: And he's being told to say, "I'm going to do it again." Yeah. This time on purpose. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah.
1: It it is it is
0: not a nice thing to have to dwell on for him, and it's been you know. It, this, team, this is November, SummerSlam was in August. Mm-hmm. It's been a fucking while now at this mm-hmm. point. It's a long old time. I think one thing I do like, I guess, about Steve Austin having, you know, aggravated neck problems is it's going to force them to be creative in the matches and have them be chaotic. Like, the first thing that happens in this match is Jim Neidhart gets a Stone Cold Stunner. Yeah. Like, you can expect a lot less of a, you know, scientific hole-for-hole wrestling match or even a long brawl with Steve Austin. It's kind of crazy, you know, jam-packed booking with his matches yeah. from this point on, I guess. We have I didn't think we'd have it, but we do have it. Break his neck chance from the Canadian crowds. Break his neck. And and Owen keeps teasing the pile driver yeah. and Jim is like, don't you do that?
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's it is it's salacious, folks.
2: I proper forgot we were in the late nineties with the sign. Because we did get a, one that says South Park 316. <laughs> And my favourite sign I don't know if you saw it is the Stone Cold sucks sign sucks with an X oh. where it's a picture of Stone Cold's head where the top of his head is an arse and <laughs> his chin is a pair of balls wow it's on the camera and it's really detailed it's actually quite well drawn
1: <laughs> that sounds like one of those drawings where it looks the same when you turn yeah. it like
2: out. <laughs>
0: I, I was in the middle of taking notes of this match and then it was over. It, it, yeah. Didn't yeah. Miss it. Owen, like, you know, he teases the pile driver a little bit. We have the chaos with the faction being kind of kicked out from ringside. Owen goes out and he's like, you know, he starts choking him. And he starts going to the river. like DQ me that, DQ me. I want to keep the belt. DQ me. And then
1: Austin's in the ring. Boom, stunner, that's it. I feel really bad for Owen. He had to have all of his mates come out and try and help him at the start. He tried to run away because he's a chicken shit coward. And then even then... Austin manages to beat him in, like, two moves. Mm. Uh,
0: and also, he gets
1: to stun Doug Furnace and Phil LaFont. Like, yeah, slam this, you sorry son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, this this really did damage to Owen, I think, to his character. I know that Owen's meant to be a coward, but there's been plenty of times where we've established that Owen is actually also a great wrestler. Yeah.
0: When it started off with the guy getting, you know, Jim getting the stunner, I thought, right, there's going to be all these, like, banana peels and Cool things. spots, like, yeah. No, in and out. And I, I, I was at the end going, is this because Steve can't go longer? Or because he literally
1: just wants this over and done with as quickly as possible. I think Owen probably wanted it over and done with as well. This has been hanging over him for months now. Like it was, it was a bit awkward. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it was a disappointing match seeing mm. as two of my favorite wrestlers. That's it. It wasn't the triumphant return of Steve Austin that you'd kind
3: of hoped no. for.
0: Jr. Prefaces our upcoming match, the main event of the evening, by saying, "This will be stiff." <laughs> <laughs> it's Bret Hart. It's Shawn Michaels! One of these men will be screwed tonight. It's for the WWF Championship, it's in Montreal, Canada, it's Infamous, and here we go! I get the same package we got at the start of the night. Yeah,
1: it's like a director's redux, basically.
0: It's no, the same thing. We don't do that. Let's get into the match first, and then we'll talk about all the hijinks and the tomfoolery and whatnot afterwards. I
2: was slightly worried when we when we got onto when we got to it on the network. I knew from like. Doing the match cards, this match from Bell to Bell is 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. We had 45 minutes yeah. left of this pay per view. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like, what are we doing here now, lads? I didn't realize there was going to be all of this stuff beforehand. Before Bell to yeah. Bell, uh,
1: yeah.
0: I always, like, in my mind, have like <laughs> this big thing hanging over me with anything with regards Sean versus Brett, which is I remember the first time I finally sat down and watched the Iron Man match from WrestleMania between those two. I remember like, it was after I got my WrestleMania DVD set and like a bunch of people in boarding school, we all watched it on like a little little laptop and like everyone was like, huh? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's now. And key, yeah, I was like 2005 or whatever So obviously, modern tastes weren't really in alignment with this. You were used
4: to Shawn
1: Michaels versus Hulk Hogan at that point, yeah. way back. Yeah, work, really. exactly like, right. Bouncing around. Sell
0: for me, man. Come on. <laughs> and I always remember as well, like, did did Meltzer's story? You know, he was there live, and he said that the fans turned on it. They were leaving in droves. They didn't like the match. They thought it was too boring. And there's always a saying that the reason they didn't go back to Shawn and Brett is because like Vince didn't actually like the match as a pairing. But we got to the point now where I think the personal drama is so much. And you know, this match is meant to happen at King of the Ring. It was meant mm-hmm. to happen at WrestleMania last year. All these other times it's meant to happen. It can't help but be overhyped. This match, yeah. like this encounter between these two guys, because I will say, having watched it now for the first time fully, like not just you know watching the bit at the end, like yeah. watching it all in context. These two wrestle like they don't like each other, but no, not like that Yeah, you know, not in the fun way. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever watched a wrestling match where the two competitors would refuse to make eye contact the entire time so awkward Like I've I've heard podcasts like this where the people aren't getting along and it's awkward and watching as the main event as the rest of the match is mm. fucking
1: hell. Uh, it's, it's actually good that we had Owen and Austin kind of lay the groundwork for like, oh, this is a little bit awkward. These two have obviously yeah. got stuff oh going my, on. Oh my dear, like
2: Jesus yeah. Christ! Brett not looking at Sean out of hatred and Sean not looking at Brett out of guilt or yeah. Of yeah. some kind of what, fear of what he's about to do. Yep.
0: Sean Michaels surprisingly not very good at keeping the lid on things here. So we have these awkward walks to the ring where like they want to do the. The big pre-fight, you know, walk out. But we have the camera with the mic on it, so you just hear like Sean be like, "Where are
3: we going?
1: Is yeah, this, is this the ring?" Yeah, and no. the commentators are saying nothing. They're like eerily quiet mm. before the start of this one.
0: There's a lot that happens in this that just makes it feel like weird beforehand. You know, yeah. it feels like there's something in the air. The fans don't even seem
1: like, "Yeah, main event, here we go." It it's, doesn't have that meant to be like after that package. It's like almost the equivalent of the fucking rock John Cena, like,
3: we've been waiting for so long, it's here we go. It's supposed to be the main event. <laughs> I, I not feel like it.
2: When, when Brett comes out and he's got, who I presume is his son with him. Oh, when the kid walks by, the, and my he's got, heart and, and he, The kid's got the flag walking behind, behind him and I'm just like, please don't let that kid be at ringside. No. And when you do see Brett, he has left you know, his, his family behind mm-hmm. and he's taking the flag with him. I was like, I was so th- thankful because i'm presuming that is his son yeah you know mm. it's this- because i think the same the kid can be seen in wrestling with shadows i'm pretty sure it's his son mm-hmm. and like it's just, i hope to god he's not gonna be at ringside no, right uh,
0: apparently because the camera crew were there that kind of put everyone on a little bit on edge anyway apparently because oh, really? like, a lot of people were just like oh the outsiders are oh, here the, the wrestling with shadows the wrestling yeah. shadows crew yeah. are around it, it makes people feel a little bit out of sorts brett's got this super entourage around him but you can tell with brett like you know it's one thing with Sean, away over him looking, have a look in his face. Brett's already at the point where he, he's. Brett knows. Brett knows. I mean, he doesn't know exactly what's happening. He knows that something's going to happen. He's going in. Like, cagey is the best way to describe both of these men in this match. Yeah. You know? The outside brawl at the start, which is your typical, like, you know we fought for real and it looked really good but I I could do without that stuff if
1: honest, like Uh, you know boring puts me to sleep maybe in 97 we weren't so fucking used to crowd brawling that we were sick of it but I've seen enough crowd brawls that I never want to see another one like the
0: one real bit of intrigue in this is once again like I never, never knew this was happening before the match technically starts and they're doing this big crowd brawl they go up the ramp and all that Who's right in their face? It's
1: Commissioner Slaughter and the owner, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is barking in Brett's face. Get it in the
3: ring, goddamn! Come on, get it in the ring. The
1: balls of this guy, knowing full well, like, in about 20 minutes, I'm going to screw you and you're going to be furious. Like, he's actually got the nerve to come out here and still be in character in front of Brett. That one little wrinkle to it, maybe
0: that that was just popped out to me there, which is, do you think, like, that's part of the reason Vince has made himself so much of a character tonight? So it seems, at least, to Brett less suspicious that he's out there and he's doing stuff because well it's a story tonight pal I'm the yeah. owner and I'm interested in all that I need to that. be at
1: ringside for storyline reasons like yeah. it just
0: you know, it really seems unless, unless you know what's going to happen it seems beyond peculiar that the lad who was calling the action the last pay-per-view is like face to face and going like, get in the goddamn ring come on Yeah, and also when they're fighting he hits Pat Patterson he just hit Hall of Famer Pat Patterson <laughs> fantastic <laughs>
2: I, think, I think Vince is doing it so he can sort of justify the whole Brett screwed Brett thing if I wasn't there if I didn't do something yeah, he would have wasn't. walked away all of our belt <laughs> I had to do it
0: Vince was right there with them the entire time until they get back into the ring and Sean pretty much stuck the Canadian flag up his asshole at the start of this Ugh. one so as revenge Brett chokes him with the Quebec flag which is like <laughs> yeah let me wrap it all up and tear it into him I'm like uh, what? Can, can, can we like respect one Canadian flag I was gonna in, say what in Canada as well Brett come on like the men in the front row are desperately trying to get a "Sean is gay" chant off the ground. Uh, oh yeah, is this match Stiff? Well, Bret Hart's hand is bleeding around five minutes yeah, in. So there's
1: big intensity here.
0: And again, there's a reason why, like I mostly don't like seeing matches degenerate into stiff and in inverted commas brawls because it looks shit. Yeah, and yeah. it's. The best I could say about the match here is that it's scrappy. It looks like they're trying yeah. to beat each other up for real because I guess they kind of are a little bit, you know? That's
1: it. For, from like a sort of a historical standpoint, it's kind of like, oh, this is a bit intense and a bit interesting. But as a wrestling match, no. it's a bit shit, isn't it?
0: No eye contact. That's one thing. There's no emotion on either man's face. No. It's like
2: they're both on autopilot. Yeah. As, as great wrestlers, they're just going through the it's motions. They like No
0: Mercy where they've just got the, the print of their face yeah. Yeah. and they don't change the entire time. And like... I'm kind of expecting Sean Michaels is meant to be this degenerate. Mm. Brad Hart's meant to be the proud Canadian who's sick and tired of this guy's shit and they're both just like mm.
1: where's the attitude? Like,
2: And there's no real sort of none of this silliness from Sean. No, he's or not. This, right. this de- he's degenerate. He's actually
0: Canadian a little bit, yeah. But, but like, he's not a degenerate he's not, or Apart,
2: apart from the one bit where he gobs on a fan in the front row.
0: Aww. Too much spit here tonight, folks. Mm. Too many gloops of the night to keep track of. JR says that both men have been resorting to dirty tricks. Those
1: dirty, nasty
0: tricks. Will you see my dirty trick. <laughs> Ha-ha. They like
1: don't lock eyes when they're in the figure four leg lock.
0: That's like, what's the point of doing these submissions? There's no drama. Yeah, literally, there's
1: so much great interactivity you can do with a figure four leg lock and they suck all the fun out of it. Could you imagine if you started watching...
0: Around here. Cause like this was like my earliest memory of Brett was just seeing the aftermath of the screw job and all that. I was like, oh there's not much to that. Jesus, imagine if I watched the match. Imagine if we started this series season four at the screw job. You mm. would have thought nothing of Brett. Nah. You know, you mm. would have seen you know a little bit of Sean, but it just this is these guys aren't given the performance I would have remotely expected.
2: No. It's like it's like watching two orange Cassidys without any of the charisma. <laughs> yeah. After a fucking
1: <laughs> enormous build mm. where they supposedly hate each other.
2: And we get a ref pump
1: we cool.
0: get the Sean shooter which Brett has to help Shawn Michaels yep. put in yep. he literally rearranges it and
1: the fact
2: that he helps him do it I know I like. it's even
1: more like real salt in the wound let like. me let me load your gun up there exactly Shawn. <laughs> hang on I got a shiny
0: new silver bullet just in case I'm a werewolf you know and he gets flipped over and as quick as he's flipped over the bell is called for and here is actually how the pay-per-view goes off air
3: I'm Bret Hart gave up I'm with a short shooter. I'm down and spine, just a sexy I'm
2: not your toy, it's Shawn Michaels. i just a sexy boy. Wow, you talk about controversy. I'm making hot. This crowd is living.
3: Shooting. And he's weak. Michaels with a short shooter. That's the cause the WWE. WWE. Standing in disbelief. And all found ladies and gentlemen, a good night from
0: Montreal. Jim Ross says, "What happened? Bret Hart gave up in the sharpshooter." Bret sits up straight away, goes over to Vince because, as we said, he knows. Spits on him. Sean, you can barely see him being digged into. Then kind of celebrates
2: and just walks out.
0: And Jim Ross goes,
1: "Talk about controversial." Good night, ladies and gentlemen, and that's it. After all that. All that fucking build up, all those documentaries and network specials, and the actual screw job at the end of the pay per view is like 30, 40 seconds yeah. long. Mm. Where's Brett smashing the table? Where's him writing WCW VHS in the VHS, mate, get on the replay. That's that home video exclusive. It, like. I think they, they knew exactly what they were
0: doing because they knew. It was going to be a big... He's going to kick up a fuss and mm-hmm. then we could sell that later on. And I think, like, yeah. in this day of VOD, it might be harder for younger fans to know what a deal it was. But, like, the home video, particularly in 97, 98, other than live attendance and t-shirts, that's where they were making mm. money. Home video is a big, big part of it. And, yeah, I mean, it was salacious and they kind of... Like every aspect of the Montreal Screwjob, they monetized it. Mm-hmm. They squeezed it for every fucking drop they could get and it's very funny because the month before this, I don't think they had, they'd never mentioned WCW as
1: much as they did in the previous months to this. They've been saying WCW by name. And Vince McMahon himself would be like, and we've got coming up a, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, a WCW superstar. Like, they're even pointing out, look, we're talking about WCW, folks.
0: Can you believe it? Yeah, And you know, like Jim Ross be like, I got some things to say about WCW's Eric Bischoff on the
1: hotline. Why don't you ring in, folks? Every week, Jim Cornette will do like his little backstage shoot where he'll talk about WCW or something related to it. Like they are making constant references mm. to the other company at the minute. Now,
0: if you were to believe Vince McMahon,
1: the probably part of the reason of that
0: is is that he wanted he wanted the best for Brett You mm-hmm. know, the famous sit down interview after this. It didn't happen the week after. It was two weeks after the, the sit down interview with Vince and Jr. And Jr. is like, "What happened? Brett screwed Brett quite frankly." And Jim Ross is like, well, like, there's a lot of people going to grow when you hear that and say that. Or like, what do you actually mean by that? And to say he goes whole hog and all in on like the Mr. McMahon characterization, mm. it is the most dark-sided, on-the-nose like, it would be smoke if it wasn't clearly that he was so enraged, mm. you know. he he Like, some of the things he says, he's like people saying, Brett sold out, of course he sold out. I helped him do it. I'm very happy that Brett and I spent all these weeks and months negotiating the best way for him to sell out to WCW as he did and mm. make seven million dollars, or what you know, the, you know, he's he's dropping figures, he's talking yeah. amounts, he's saying we couldn't afford it, and like the one that really to my craw, that we know he's Sean, you know, he runs off, he he claims he had nothing to do with it, he was in according to Brett, he was in floods of tears backstage. Brett goes backstage. Vince heads to the locker room Brett's like I'm having a shower if you're still here I'm going to knock you out mm-hmm. comes back and he gives him the fucking uppercut you know Tiger <laughs> knocks Vince on his arse and of course Vince in the promo the interview he's like well I'd have to say even at 52 years of age quite frankly if my back had not been turned maybe things would have been different I would have taken him is what i was saying with that. his big fucking shiner
2: like- yeah. I
0: think of course you know off the records, uh, he he did like a you know, I think two or three months after this Vince did an interview and he was asked why did you let Brett go? He's like, Well, Brett's body was breaking down, so oh, we didn't really need sake. him anymore. And there's like, you know the, the the lines are blurred, I guess, between Vince McMahon really being like, you know, fuck you, I'm pissed off and also being like, This is good character work for this new hero. Yeah. Yeah. You know?
2: But it's just burning more and more bridges with the boys in the back. You know, he's just he's just doing Damage and kind of setting a precedent that this could happen to anybody. That's
1: it. That's the one of the big scary knock on effects, I'd say, and it's something I've heard a couple of wrestlers talk about. Is this was a wake up call of sort of like he's going to treat Bret Hart that way after everything. Bret's done. the guy. The relationship yeah. they've had in the past, and another thing that Mick Foley pointed out was just like this is scary because I thought we were actually in a pretty good position financially and now Vince has gone to this drastic yeah. measures because yeah. of finances that's what this boils down to this yeah. happened because of the money it's like, still,
0: you know, he says he didn't have the money there I think what it was is he's saving up for Tyson in in, in the new year yeah. that's really what it is yeah. you know like, lots of bad things happened because of Montreal and I think you know in the main bad things has got to be just that precedent that it's set i you know remember reading all the books of people you know brett's book foley's book etc talking about the atmosphere in the locker room and all that of them being like hey let's make a stand together and all that and you know it makes as well as many many instances in wrestling like most times anything remotely goes wrong you think well jesus if there was a fucking union or someone who could yep. actually sit around the table and instead what you have is you've got Foley, Bulldog, you know, Rick Rude, a few people say we're not showing up to Raw. We're, you know, we're not showing up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I remember Cornette explaining this. He's like, well, I rang up Cactus Jack and I go, he's fucking making seven figures. And you're making fucking six. Like, what the fuck's the matter? Come to work. And it's kind of like just making it out to seem like, I know it seems personal to all you guys, but he's such a million billionaire. Yeah. He's making more money. Why would anyone be sad? And as, of course, mm-hmm. Brent and WCW proves, it ain't about the money kids It's not yeah. it, really you know? ain't. it ain't it's, about it's,
2: that And it's, it's, it's how they got Hebner on board as well That Br- was Briscoe, sad Brisco yeah. saying Brett ain't paying your bills Yeah
0: yeah. Brett and Vince Were pulling Earl Back and forth between them Because He had been approached by Brett Brett got him a first class Plane ticket on the way there oh you sit right beside me Earl you tell me you look me right in the eyes and you promise and you know he's like tears in his eyes I promise on my kids lives, you know
2: and you know and as soon as he gets there he's pulled aside by Briscoe who says he's going to put him in the sharpshooter ring the bell
0: and the glacier right as he's going out are are you
2: going to do it I don't know I don't know are you going to do it he's not going to pay your bills Um.
0: I mean, one little, there's lots of little tidbits of information about it that are really interesting. You know, Shawn Michaels being too scared to confront The Undertaker afterwards mm-hmm. at Raw. Yeah. You know, Undertaker being like, you're son of a bitch. Oh, he was like, a bit yeah, he was destroying
2: that. shit backstage.
0: You know, I do like as well the story about the night before in the hotel room, Jerry Briscoe trying to teach Shawn Michaels how to be a shooter just in case. Oh, you
3: never know. You know,
0: but look guys, there's lots of speculation about it. And I know you've all come here for the truth about what, actually went down on that night in survivor series that fabled night and what it was was i think it was like wrestlemania 15 or 16 mm-hmm. and the crowd were chanting brett screwed brett yeah. and all of a sudden uh little Shawn michaels a scrawny boy toy uh, he killed him, him for real and the supposed excellence of execution bret hart mm. you know, he got beat brother so yeah. uh you know that's that's kind of what happened folks that's it that's, that's yeah. it that's yeah. how yeah. it went down you know I just want to maybe have a brief mention of those people in wrestling who have made a career out of speculating that it's a work. Oh,
1: would you fuck off?
0: Because, guess what? Like, Scott Hall doesn't believe it's a work, folks. Mm. Neither did Kevin Mash, or neither did Sean Waltman, but they needed to have find a reason to have a third hour on their yeah, shoe interview yeah, so they get into it. that fourth bottle of wine. Like, yeah, you I, know. I
2: refuse to believe Scott Hall has never asked Sean what happened that night.
0: He wasn't even fucking there yeah. as well. Mm. Like, Scott Hall, I think on Dark Side of the Ring, they did a thing where they showed him watching it, and he can make a good case. Like anyone can make a good case and watch this and kind of go, look, look, this is what's mm. what's going to happen. The fact that all Brett that. helps
2: him. Mm. If, Brett knew, if Brett knew something was going to go wrong, why did Brett put, fix the shots? Because that was the match they That's bought. it. That's like, <laughs> it. And, like, look, Brett,
0: Brett thought there was going to be a schmoz, but the thing is, DQ, Brett, Brett like. went out uh, going in. Knowing that that's not what was going to happen, he knew. He's like, he says it over and over. I know they're going to screw me tonight. I know they're going to screw me. Mm. I I don't know how, but they're going to do it. And the fact that he s- straight away realizes when they ring that bell, it's like, oh, okay. That's it. It's not a
1: big, immediate, violent reaction. Like, what the fuck? It's just like plain there face. Is. That's
0: it. I this knew it. This is what it. I've been reckoning all yeah. month is going to be fucking happening. They did it. Now Vince said the reason he lied to him, and like he admits to lying. Like he he has been asked like to his you know to his face, were you lying? He's like, well, in that instance, yes, I did. And he says it's because Brett broke his contract already by refusing the proposed finishes to the match that he had, had put forward. But
2: they, they had seemed to agree on something beforehand when Brett is mic'd up for Wrestling With Shadows Yeah. and they basically agree on... The, you shots, know, the run-in, this, yeah. This, we're we're going to have a run-in. I'll work for free tomorrow on Raw yeah. and I will drop the belt. And, and Vince is like, cool, let's do that then. Easy peasy.
0: It's like, it's really sad because obviously it did untold damage to, to Brett's character both in the ring and out of the ring and I think that's probably the saddest thing is that like there was this theory I guess that Brett because he's an old school guy you know ah he won't go and he won't talk about this like Brett had a fucking column in the Calgary Sun lads like he was writing mm. about this every week yeah. for years and then just when you think it might cool down a little bit about it own Hart fucking dies yeah. and it's like you know there's non-stop anguish and agony in Bret Hart's life from this point onwards, So it's hard not to feel like, really sorry for him and all that. At the end of the day, he was making a shitload of money from it. So in terms of like tragedies in wrestling... In terms of, though, of a moment that showed you... The part of wrestling that hardcore fans knew was always there. Mm, yeah. And new fans got a little taste of. Yeah. It showed you that yes, what was happening behind the scenes... Was in many cases yeah. more interesting than what was happening on camera.
2: I think the, the the event itself is, you know, it's interesting, but it's nothing. I think what the, I think is something that we've pointed out over the course of the season is the speculative butterfly effect that this is. Yeah, had. that's yeah. it. You know. No, it's entire speculation. But Bulldog won't have gone to WCW and fallen into a exactly. trap door, yeah. And, yeah. and and like get addicted to fucking painkillers. So
0: many different things that probably would have happened yeah. as to this. I feel bad for Owen like as well, knowing that he is a, like like you know he's trapped in this. Yeah. you know, for, for for lack of a better term, and for someone who's looking to retire soon, it's like was uh, it the, was the only
2: true. reason he didn't go because WCW didn't want him?
0: No, Vince wouldn't let
2: him. He wouldn't release him but, from his but, he would let, but he would let Bulldog, yeah. let Night nighter. So. And poor well, Owen That's the as final well. twist, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Owen is
1: just like, right, I've rid myself of this whole neck-breaking Austin. I can forget the shame of me breaking his neck and move on, and now this has happened. I like, have got to stay for the a company, company
2: that's just fucked over my brother. Yeah.
1: I think the problem
0: with the Montreal screw job is that it is infinitely fascinating, but I think anytime anyone speculates over what really happened or the real story and all that, not the case of diminishing returns, but I think it just kind of takes away from the heart of the matter and kind of you know what it represented in terms of the old ideals of wrestling and not the new ideals wrestling just Vince McMahon's ideals yes for not even wrestling just Vince McMahon's ideals Mm -hmm. full stop for how he wants to run business and treat his independent contractors Brett has been kind of outspoken about the attempts to talk about it or analyze and all that like I was really surprised considering he was part of it to hear him slate the dark side of the ring documentary Mm -hmm. on it and I feel like, you know, I've, I, I, I've watched that documentary and I think it does a really admirable job of trying to explain why this instance is kind of emblematic of, like, that backstage weird Wild West. And mm. like Reston's really crazy and there's all these rules and all this personal drama and politics that goes into it that's really hard to understand. And in trying to explain that first and foremost, it felt like they were, you know, in 2020 or whatever it was, trying to rehash the old conspiracy theories and stir
1: it up again oh it's all
2: about Russo and Cornette it is to fuck the, the fact that you have in the dark side of the ring Cornette and Russo literally arguing about who fucked over Bret Hart I did it I no, I did it. I'm the what? bigger piece of shit. No, bro, I'm a big piece of shit. Like. Starved for attention, To quote, Lee,
0: two rats fighting over a courgette in a drain full of piss. Legit. You know? Legit. Who it's... gives a fuck? I've been, like,
2: I've been yeah. having, like, bish off in it why does Bischoff need to be in it no saying involvement. screwing a Canadian hero in Canada how much more evil can you get with an evil grin on his fucking face
0: an evil grin and a little glance towards the 83 weeks podcast polo t-shirt that he's wearing <laughs> I mean I do want to you know maybe ask if there's any other kind of wild takes on the Montreal screw job or like retellings of it or here's what really happened because I mean for me the god tier triple platinum is like there's one man with the courage to lay it out 2005, the big show Paul White sat down for the It was very brave of him He said what needed to be said He did, he said what needed to be said Bret Hart was leaving the company, wanted to take the belt Didn't want to lose in Canada, fuck you Get over it
4: Yeah.
1: Nothing but respect from my giant. What I decided to check out to see their take on it is... A couple of Christmases ago, my family got me 1997, The Dawn of Attitude on nice. DVD. Ooh. Which is three discs and has a lot of matches and a lot of highlights. But the main feature that comes on disc one is poor Renee Young having to sit down... With the likes of Kane, Farouk, Godfather, Mick Foley, Shawn Michaels. We're going to have a roundtable discussion. We're going to cover all of 97 and all of its intricacies in a solid 50 minutes. And they leave the Montreal screw job till like 43 minutes in. And Renee's like, uh, yeah, do you wanna. Wrap it up, goddammit! <laughs> you, you wanna talk about the screw job? Sean, can you tell me. Sean Michaels, can you tell me your perspective? As one of the men involved in the Montreal screw job, you must have some really fascinating
3: insights. What can you tell us about it? Well, quite frankly, Bret Hart, Vince wanted to make sure that Bret didn't leave the building with the title, and uh, we were successful in that endeavor
1: wow pretty fucking salacious details there baby mm. and the, the, the thing that always
0: struck to me about that that is like the excuse which is so bullshit about oil oh, show up with the belt if paul Heyman, in the middle of bankruptcy court can stop wcw showing the ecw title vince mcmahon's got a fairly deep pocket that's it he can stop that he from can afford
1: come on yeah. like And so they they mention that and Sean's like, oh, so Sean mentions that and they're like, oh, that's interesting. And then Mick Foley just chimes in as like, hey, I uh, just want to say on that night the screwjob. I took a pretty good bump from Kane earlier in the <laughs> evening. If you, if you could just show that bump <laughs> in slow motion. And, th- and they start talking about that. And he's like, well, yeah, you really did help put Kane over strong, Mick. And they end up talking about Kane. And it's like, well, that's all the time we have for the Dawn of Attitude. Folks. Who says
2: yeah. the WWE revises history? Honestly. Sometimes they don't even mentionish, up. yet alone revising history.
0: There has to be at least 10 instances where Montreal's been rehashed.
1: At least 10.
2: Which, I
0: mean,
1: we're talking like oh this is Shades of Montreal just like something that's meant to be an allusion to the screw job. Like. yeah
0: and whether it's like oh we know what's happening here folks yeah. and, I mean obviously we covered it on this show yep. Survivor Series 1998 it, the entire show was basically Montreal Screwjob the pay-per-view yeah when Brett went to WCW for it's another show we did Star Cage. Mm-hmm. he yep. was there as to be a referee yep. and he was like I want to make sure that no one gets screwed like me yep. so I'm
2: going to screw Hulk Hogan <laughs> <laughs>
0: There was the Philadelphia Screwjob
2: in ECW. That had something to do with cream cheese, didn't it? You said this was low fat. (laughs) All through the 90s, you told
0: me to eat nothing but Philadelphia and Special K. Look at me now! (laughs) The Philadelphia Screwjob was when RVD got pulled over for pot. And he got the WWE and ECW title taken off him. Mean, it's when he lost the ECW title to Big Show and ECW on Sci-Fi.
1: They did a screw job for they that. They did a screw job for Fuck that, where, where
0: Heyman called for the bell. Then there was the Orlando screw job Good in God. 2011. Orlando
1: Jordan got screwed, baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was Kurt Angle and AJ Styles, and AJ Styles had turned heel. And for some reason, it was like when they went head to head with WWE and did the you know Monday Night Wars yeah. in 2010. They had Hogan call for the bell. They had, they had Angle like spit on Hogan.
1: <laughs> Literally shot for shot yeah, remake. It's like 20. you
0: know when you're doing like photo mode in a game, or whatever, and you can swap the character models. and yeah. anyone do it? Like it's pretty much like that. You ever see Kurt Angle really spit on Hulk Hogan? <laughs> okay, that's how we had four now. Starcade... 99. They did another Starcade. Starcade 99, they did a screw job finish with Brett and Goldberg involving Roddy Piper calling okay. for the bell. But that's the night where Brett got kicked in the head by Goldberg oh, as well. Oh,
1: God.
0: Okay, that's five. Payback a few years ago, Natty and Charlotte. They had oh Rick Flair and Bret right. Hart in the corner. Yeah. Like, Look, Brett, we're screwing Natty. Just like at Montreal. Yeah. Just like how Ric Flair helped screw over Bret Hart <laughs> at
1: Montreal.
0: <laughs> Shawn Michaels and Shane O'Mac. Saturday night's main event. Fuck off. McMahon called for the bell when Shane they McMahon. did... Shane put Shawn Michaels in the sharpshooter. And then McMahon called for the bell. Which I felt like healed Montreal. Because then Shawn got screwed and yeah. it was the same. Hmm. I think WWE Inception may have had a yes, screw job Yes, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Benoit and... Benoit Jericho. They did a match when Austin was a heel after he won the belt at Resume 17 where McMahon was, you know, in his back pocket. He'd okay. call for the bell. Yeah, was it. He always, Austin put him in the cross face and McMahon called for the bell. Right. I've been saying my best one to last, folks. Mm. It's only 2012 when the big show. Got screwed on SmackDown no. by John Laurinaitis. Oh no! <laughs> that was right. Daniel Bryan was in on the screw job, folks. Fuck and me. long, long-time WWE fans will remember it's because backstage, Big Show was making fun of Johnny Ace's voice. So he screwed him. He, he invoked Montreal.
3: <laughs> Over 15 that.
0: years after the fact on a SmackDown as well. Quite frankly, the Big Show screwed the Big Show. And if maybe he wasn't seven foot, quite frankly, maybe things would have went out differently. <laughs> uh, that Big Show did spit on him, but it wasn't on purpose. It was just some, an errant goo that. Uh, I uh, needed a lifeguard for it as well. Well, that, that, that's, I think, at least ten. Yeah. It's a lot. There's more as well. I'm there's, sure. definitely there's, more. There's, there's definitely, definitely, definitely more. There's definitely more. Definitely more. Salacious. My God, the Montreal Screwjob. I kind of feel like if I never hear about the Montreal Screwjob ever again, I'd mm. be fine with that. I Honestly. feel like
2: everything there is to know about it is out there now. Yeah. It is. It's like, all out there. It's not a work. No. No, no chance.
1: Never was. And the, the, the number one bottom line for me with the Screwjob is it's not that interesting. Tell you the truth. I, yeah. f- I find, like, it's it It's interesting, but it's not that interesting yeah. like everyone makes it out to be. There has been so many more incidents in wrestling and backstage stuff that I find way more fascinating than this. It actually kind of irks me that this one thing is the one that's been analysed in such detail to death. Like, I am sick of hearing about it. I think
0: the bit about it that makes it you know, intriguing and salacious for me is all the stuff we've talked about in the episodes prior to this it's the you know the backstage fights the sunny days the mm. refusing to put them over and all it was it was all that kind of back and forth and how the company tried to control it they bred this then they mm. bred it like, that's it like, they didn't yield to it they just made it their own thing it's not yeah. like all the inmates are in the asylum but it is the worst thing that Vincent McMahon ever did was get a taste for putting wrestlers against each other in the locker room yeah. like this you know that's, really t- t- cause that's, w- that's
2: what he was doing you know when when Brett asked Sean, "Oh, can I make a reference to to the, you being a centrefold in in Playboy?" Oh, play, yeah. and he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, uh, whatever." And then he comes back and he's fucking crying. That's because somebody's gone in Sean's ear. Vince McMahon. That's and it's happened both ways. Someone's getting in their ears. It's Vince. This could have and all been avoided.
1: Yeah.
0: I I feel like Shawn Michaels probably gets a lot of like he he bears the brunt of it because he was you know the big wrestling heel and the big star and all that. For me, like. Sean in the position he was in and just knowing how anxious he was and like how he was fucking yeah. tormented and how mm-hmm. fucked up he was as well. To view him as any sort of a mastermind. Like yes, no, he's, not, really. he's not he's not He's a not, Patsy, yeah. He's
1: I a mean, product of this environment. Yeah.
0: I tell you who though has got a fucking dirty hands in this, and I'll never forget the look on his fucking face like a bowel child who'd mm-hmm. steal all the biscuits. Oh fucking Hunter Hearst Helmsley! Yeah, there, yeah. swear to God, my hands are cleaner. I don't know. I I don't know. No. Mm-hmm. When Brett's wife confronts him, is one of the purest moments in you wrestling confronts, ever. Yeah. She
1: tells him off like like a little child.
0: That's what he is. He's a little fucking boy here, yeah. like, you know, and Cause, he's no excuse. Because
2: no. I because I I get the vibe sometimes that when Sean was told about it, Sean might have said no to begin with, and was convinced to do it by Triple H.
0: I I think like Shawn. Was, was probably on the later end of things to find out about it but I think hmm. it's case in point anything that like, you know Sean and Hunter are tied at the hip like yeah. one oh, yeah. say to one it's the other Triple
1: H is in the office at this point yeah. now like he's getting asked into these meetings and stuff yeah he's now. helping out Like yeah. he's,
0: he's, he's, he's not the heir apparent but he's, no. he's part of the office for sure yeah. Yeah. I will say the one definitely detrimental like long ranging thing from it is like after watching that pay-per-view I put on the next Raw and I watched the Raw after it as well and it was fucking miserable yeah so miserable because like i've grown to really love brett you know mm. from when we started mm. this to where we are now you know i felt like i've learned so much about brett we you know you and i did the how to episode about brett as well mm-hmm. i think that helped a lot along the way just learning about this guy and you know there's more to him than the isolated instances where he notably publicly struggled or whatever but like just that air letting out of the balloon, like, nothing fills me with dread, like the idea that I'm going out to watching a two hour wrestling show every week and there's no Bret Hart nope. and it's them fucking DX pricks. Yeah, yeah that's it. And, but- I'm, and I'm not going, like, oh I hate them because they're gay, I'm just hate them because they're annoying. Obnoxious. Like, they're obnoxious little self entitled pricks.
2: And then yeah. the, the people who aren't DX are genuinely pissed off about what's transpired. Yeah.
0: It, I think it's a show that's I mean, I think that next pay
1: per view is going to be a dour affair. You, can, oh. you can't help but feel like it, right? It's funny this, actually. I think with Brett being so prominent and so great to watch, I was saying on the last couple episodes, like I'm getting a bit done with Steve Austin. It's a bit overkill how much Steve we're getting on telly. But we need him now, now, yeah. Now I'm dying to get Steve back. If there's no Brett around, we need Steve. Help like. me, Steve
0: Austin. You're my only hope, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, folks, Survivor
0: Series 1997. I'm going to ask you for your Scrooge, your match of the
1: nice? <laughs> And MVP, starting with you, Adam, how'd you get on? Undoubtedly, Kane and Mankind for my match of the night, because it was just the right length, short and sweet, and it actually had a very clear story that was very easy to follow from A to B, and mm. they did. They had a very clear mission that they set out to do, and they achieved it perfectly, like, without any problems. So definitely that. That was a great match, great debut. MVP? I'm probably gonna say Mick. I think special mention to Vader for doing such a wonderful job holding together his team in that one... That was like the most fun I had with the Survivor Series matches, a match yeah. type I am not fond of. Yeah, yeah. But I think that Mick did such a wonderfully strong job putting Kane over. I've got to give it to it's, him. It's right? how you do it. Like, that yeah, is how yeah. you do it. Like, Kane looked like the fucking Terminator, and it was because of Mick. Like, Mick made him look that way. So, very well done to him.
2: Bill! A match tonight, I echo Adam, it's got to be It's got to be Kane in gotta be It's got to be Kane great match, right length and the sort of the perfect demonstration where you've got one character who is seemingly invincible and stoppable and one character who is invincible purely by sheer willpower and determination yeah. rather yeah. than being a big roidy motherfucker yeah. like Kane is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whoa, well, the I'm allegations! Not, no, no, not, no. But he's, he's <laughs> <laughs> He's massive. He's that's ripped. what I'm saying. Yeah, he is real. And, and 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 that was just a, a great match and told a great story. I thought. In terms of MVP, I want to say special mention to Kane because mm. I've never been a huge fan of, of Kane um, until he shaves that head Until he shaves that head and gets low chemical. But this, but I, I saw for like I can imagine being a kid for the first time watching that and yeah. seeing that Kane and it was wasn't something that we got in season one because. I guess the mystique had kind of been rubbed off by Never that bad. point. But here, I can totally get why people were so invested in Kane. Mm. But MVP for me is Vader. Yeah. Ah-ha. Purely, purely yeah, baby. because Vader just... You know, essentially wrestled four blokes. You did. Because Goldust did fuck all. Yep. Miro did ba- barely anything, and 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 Black blackman did f- sweet fuck all. It it, it it was might as well have been a four-on-one Honestly. handicap match. Yeah, yeah. And and Vader like. Held it together the whole time. He looked he good. He looked was the good. best he, Vader we'd seen. I he think. didn't. Yeah. He, he didn't look gassed at all. No. He looked like he can fucking go, and he looked like an absolute monster. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, I, look, I actually was gonna say that's my match of the night. Like you know, yeah. just just to know. I mean, obviously the Kane Mankind one is amazing, but I feel like I had a lot of like really good things to say about Wrestler, who I feel like I very often don't have a lot of great things to say about, mm. and it's kind of. It's frustrating to watch Vader in, you know, 97 and all that. It's kind of sad to watch him later on, but this was a... Not just a glimpse of like Vader, the killer, just being like a veteran and a guy who like had it together, and mm. not necessarily the glue I would use to hold together a match. But no. he fucking did it, you Very know. Unexpected.
2: It's just like it's again, like just in a couple of months' time, he's going to be calling himself a fat piece of no. shit. He can't go anymore. Well, it's the like office it. are telling him enough, yeah. so you yeah. know, of course, but it's, you think it's that. totally not true. No.
0: Well, I, I, yeah, I'd say that that will bring me for my match of the night MVP. I mean, unquestionably, me, it's Brett the Hitman Hart, yeah. You know, I mean. Given everything that went into this match, the fact that he was still professional himself up until yes, the bell yeah. rang at the end, and I would say, in terms of the most cathartic thing, of you know, so many wrestlers over the years have been fucked over so mercilessly by Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's a charismatic guy and a great fucking, you know, he's imminently watchable and he's probably one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen in wrestling in Vince McMahon. But Vince McMahon, the person, is a piece of shit deep yep. down. He's a villain. And no one has ever, ever remotely come close to giving him exactly what he fucking deserved. Mm. The thing about Vince showing up into that locker room afterwards, just waiting for his little confrontation and be like, oh, I'm going to let Brett hit me. That fucking... He gets one punch, pal. You know, you fucker. You know, leave the man alone at this this point. And I thought, in all things considered, seeing as Brett had so much, so much on his plate. We didn't even talk about it. You know, know, he had his family in his ear, all the problems with Mm. Stampede back home, with Bruce, with Ellie, looking after babysitting the bulldog. Babysitting Neidhart, you know, Pillman literally just, just died, one of his yeah. best friends the month before, and all this shit going on. And you know what? I'm glad he had the focus to sop out Vince McMahon, yeah. spark him out, plant a dirty fucking gloop of the night right between the eyes, Oof. and as Bret Hart himself said at one point. I destroyed $100,000 worth of headsets. I'm like, well, maybe not, but he tried. Yeah. And in terms of someone staging a very relatable protest in the ring... I think we've all left a job or two in our time. Like everyone's had a shit job where you wish you could do what Brett did at the end. That, like, yeah. you know, write the name of where you're going yeah. in the background. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and also special shout out for him writing it backwards as well, so it read on, on the yeah, the camera. Very he
2: lived what Steve Austin represented. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. He, really did. he really did.
0: MVP Brett here, and a little part of that has got to go with him, like he never changed his story. He never had to like recontextualise yeah, it. Yeah. He he's never... the only person
2: who's maintained the story mm. for yeah, twenty like, odd years. And
0: that's it. It's like he he had a story, he stuck to it, it's never changed, you know. The only thing that's changed is Bret Hart's attitude towards it. Yes. Because you've seen over twenty years him very publicly slowly come to terms with this thing. You know, and I think if the other stuff hadn't happened to Brett, what happened here probably wouldn't have been that big of a deal. It would have got over it quicker. But like... it's it's this it's the death of Owen. The death of Owen and the end of his career. All within a twenty-four month period. Yeah. Come mm-hmm. on, folks! Like you know, Bret he needed time, and everyone was putting a microphone in his hands from the WWE onwards. Yeah. So yeah, I am going to miss Bret Hart a lot in this show. Oh yeah, and as someone who never really quite got why people older than me loved Bret Hart so much, unavowed I would say he's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. You know, and I, I appreciate doing this season solely so I could see. All right, that's it. Then is it like that, that's yeah. Bret Hart?
1: You know, I got to agree. He's become one of my favorites just from this year alone. Yeah, the the fact that he's been it's nineteen ninety seven. There are so many hot acts in wrestling that are like cooking on gas at the minute. Steve Austin's doing great. Undertaker super over Kane's back. Mankind. But, like and yet, DX,
3: consistently
1: yeah. week after week, Bret Hart would do some little nuance or something that like got to me so much that so I just couldn't stop thinking about it. He was such an amazing performer. I really want to go back and look at some older Brett from this stuff. Yeah, definitely.
0: I think New Generation will be really interesting. Like, you know, If we could ever do a little uh, tourism trip at some point to see Brett on top, I think it would be very, very interesting indeed. Basically, what we're saying is the meltdown was crisp like everything else (laughs) that (laughs) he does. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Added Share Podcast. Season four, that is. And as always, if you're listening on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Wherever you get your audio and your podcast, make sure you leave us an old rating or review. And hey, where you can help us out massively. If anyone's ever looking for a recommendation for
1: a wrestling podcast, Send them the Attitude Era Podcast way! You can follow us on social media on Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast. You will find a whole library of video content. We've got clips from classic episodes, clips from current episodes, and clips from our Patreon content, so you can get a little try before you buy. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at AEPodcast.
0: Patreon? What's that? It's how you can support this podcast and keep it 100% fan and listener supported we don't have ads every few seconds in this podcast, and it's because of our lovely backers over at patreon.com slash apodcast. Join now for as little as $5 a month. Get access to Good Lord. I think we've got a, nearly 80 episodes of the Smackdown Crawl. Yeah. You've got a dozen or so texts. you got video episodes. You've got comic reviews with Adam and Billy. QA episodes, commentary tracks. Wrestling with Shadows is available on there. Oh. All this is available for a variety of tiers and a variety of backings. But head over to patreon.com slash apodcast. Send us 5$ to support the show and get access to
2: a lot of listening and watching. And if you're a fine purveyor of stuff and things, head on over to mathewsabochermania.com. Stuff things. Go on if you think you're hard enough. <laughs> 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 I think
0: Matthew made a very selfish uh, decision quite frankly.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Until next
0: time when <laughs> are you ready? It's gonna be Degeneration X in your house. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me Adam. And me Billy. I will see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast.